What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 139 presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and my favorite NHL team finally won two in a row for the first time in November this season. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and his favorite NHL team. Well, shit. I mean, shit. <laughs> I mean, shit. Just probably one of the worst single days in the history of the franchise. One of the worst. Of course, I'm talking about the Chicago Blackhawks. We will get to that mess later on in the show but we're going to get right into it we got a huge guest today very excited to talk some college hockey we are going to be doing that in period number one welcome to period one my friends yes travis points out in the chat would be besides that what's up skokes um hello tom everybody in the chat foster how's everyone doing Travis says Michigan State hat, Frankie. Well, I think I know the reason you decided to wear your Michigan State hat today. I know the reason I decided to wear my Wisconsin hat today. I have lots of favorite college hockey teams. I have lots of favorite college football teams. I'm a bandwagoner. I didn't go to any of these schools. I like what's fun and entertaining. There's nobody to better bring on right now to talk about the big, great world of college hockey than our friend, the founder of Everything College Hockey, James Murray. James, how you doing, man? I'm great. College hockey's full swing. Things are. It's been a fun season so far. I love the Michigan State hat. Thank um, you, Bucky Badger, right there. He's he's had a hell of a year. <laughs> Obviously, Mike Hastings joining joining Wisconsin there. So what a difference he's made. And it's good to see the Cole Center packed again. And uh, Michigan State is that they have you know a good atmosphere every weekend as well right now. So both buzzing. But uh, yeah, what a year for college hockey. It's been the parodies unlike any other year. Absolutely. Before we get into it, do you feel like in the last? Five or so years, you know, you have the website, John Bucci Gross is all over the place. You know, you got spitting chicklets, like podcasts like us all around the world. They're starting to more and more talk about college hockey when engaging in the overall NHL conversation. Have you seen it grown in the last five years, would you say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm a, you know, I love seeing uh, Grinnell going at Chicklets, uh, going going to schools as well. And, and you know, Butchergrass has done so much for the game. So that's been huge and obviously a huge inspiration in myself and the rest of our, our rest of our team. So. Um, but yeah, overall, like just across social media, just, you know, our own post doing better and better too every year. And uh, I think that just speaks to how the, how much the game's grown. So, you know, that's our goal to do it every, every single day, wake up and grow the game. And, um, it, it's been fun, especially years like this when every single team can beat every single team. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. You, so James, no secret that you love college hockey. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. First and foremost. Absolutely. But, um, how did you get involved with everything college ho- hockey? Like, why did you want to create it? How did you create it? Like, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I went to, so in college, after my freshman year, I went to community college in Minnesota. But my sophomore year, I transferred to Bemidji State and uh, became the student manager there, actually. So that's how I kind of got my foot in the door in Division One hockey. And then um, the year after that, a couple of guys on the team, uh, captains of the team, invited me to live with them. So once I started living with the hockey team there, I definitely used their connections to, help then start or just build, you know, off of everything college hockey, which I started once I moved into that house, my junior year of college. So, um, yeah, just, you know, started posting highlights. I was like, wow, no one's doing this. And, you know, I, I grew up going to go for hockey games in Minnesota. So, um, knew how, you know, how electric the atmosphere was, right. It's, it's different than the NHL atmosphere. You got a band, you have a student section, they're chanting things that little children probably shouldn't hear. It's, <laughs> it's just like, that's the unique atmosphere of college hockey. So saw, saw, um, a need for it. And, uh, you know, found my niche and, and now I'm promoting it every single day. So, but yeah, started at the house, had my buddies, my roommates, you know, had their buddies take over our Instagram story, Hunter Shepard, current, uh, Washington Capitals goaltender. He was the first one to take over our story when he's at Duluth, our Instagram story. And then that kind of popped and we had more and more players do so. And along with posting highlights, you know, I was 
just a one-man team doing it for a couple of years and then, you know spit chicklets followed us that boosted our following gave us credibility and kept moving on from there so now i got a full team and we're uh definitely driven to, to grow the game every day really really cool i love that you do that for the community we're trying to grow it as well and that's why we decided to have you on somebody who i think is doing a good job helping grow it this year is probably the overall best player in college hockey one of them so far this season he's going to be the number one pick in the 2023 nhl draft i know two of the three of us here are hoping that our favorite nhl team lands him this upcoming off season um i'm talking about macklin celebrini of course what have Wait, you seen time from time, time, time. your devil's guy and your blackhawks guy yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a wild guy, so I'm in the hunt too. So you, yeah, you <laughs> I, I, I met you too. I, I better not be thinking about our devils are not getting them. If I, if and, uh, we're talking Macklin Celebrini in yeah, New Jersey yeah, yeah. in May, something seriously he, bad. He's happened. been unbelievable for 17 <laughs> years old. Um, let's say same skill level as Logan Cooley, a friend of mine who's now tearing it up for the Coyotes, as you see in his rookie year. And I remember talking to Logan this offseason. And I was just like, man, please stay. I'm here because I'm a gopher guy. You know what? I went to <laughs> told him to stay. And he asked, you know, am I ready to go? And I said, yeah, man, you, you do you. Like, you're obviously good enough. And here he is proving it. So, um, but yeah, Celebrini, same thing. Like, how long is he going to stay? That's the question. And, um, you know, I've had some talks with Macklin myself, but uh, great, great kid, it seems. And maybe have some content coming out with him in the future here. So stay tuned for that. But that being said, yeah, he's, you know, he's the clear number one to me going to the draft this upcoming season. So, um, we'll, we'll see, but he's been controlling the game at 17, which is insane. He's playing some 24 year olds on the weekend yeah. and he's making them. So, uh, he's the real deal. And the best player I've seen come through college hockey since I've really closely covered it. Wow. So I was going to expand on Vinny's question a little bit more, kind of answered it, I guess, mm -hmm. but is there anybody who could shock us and go number one instead of Celebrini or are you dead set guaranteed? I remember <laughs> Shane Wright. I was watching. We thought Shane Wright was going to go one couple of years ago. And I'm like, he's not one. He's I not like number ones to come out of college. You know that like it's got to come out of college and, and <laughs> Celebrini is that just that for me. And he did that at, uh, at Chicago and, you know, with the use it in a Chicago steel there, but now he's okay. doing it at BU and, uh, and probably the toughest conference in college hockey this year. Hockey East is like, so every team can pretty much every team in that conference can be there every single team so other team it's, it's it's been that for for celebrating it's been the perfect year so i went to his game they played maine two weekends ago and he i think he had one goal that game but he could have had we had three pipes in that game so and he made it just look easy out there like um i don't know he, he's he's the real deal but yeah um so the winner of Hockey East wins the Lou Lamorello Trophy, not to brag, go Devils. Um, <laughs> you got Lane Hudson on BU, too, and that team's an absolute yeah. wagon. Yeah. If your Wild or Frankie's Blackhawks can't win the draft lottery, how cool would it be to see Lane Hudson's Montreal Canadiens reunite those two so they can take what they're doing over at BU and bring it to the NHL with Montreal? Uh, especially with Cole Caulfield, another former Hobie guy. That yep. would be pretty, pretty electric, and that fan base deserves it, you know, so – um yeah that's possible too i i didn't know you know before the year uh, i wanted to say what if the coyotes got him too you know they missed no. out on they got screwed this year with draft picks but still made it work um you know so i i don't know that'd be another good spot to land and um yeah there's a bunch of good markets that need it philly another one so yeah you know i saw your rankings for the everything college hockey top 20 um men's Yep. Uh, rankings. And I noticed you had Quinnipiac at nine. They're the reigning uh, champs in college hockey. They won their first ever national championship last year. They win over Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Do they have any chance of repeating as champions? 
Yes. Yeah, they're an older team. They're very well coached. Obviously, the the story last year was great. They you know they lost a lot from that team, but still have plenty of pieces to go win another one. And they they've looked good so far this season too. Like they had some high scoring weekends, which is tough to do in ECAC play and versus Auto Conference too. So mm-hmm. um, I've been impressed by Quinnipiac, and I know Colin Graff, top scorer on that team, has been a little banged up this season, so still early and. Just like for every other team, you know, through the month of November, at least the, the chemistry on every team's not it's not perfect yet, right? So wait a couple months and they're gonna look really good. And that, you know, but you can go say that, you know, the same about BC, BU, all those schools over there. That freshman line at BC is gonna be scary in a month or two. Like I asked, we just we just had uh we're announcing, I think we're gonna announce today, hopefully, we'll see, or tomorrow. But we had Ryan Leonard on the podcast. I know I put it on Twitter, but we talked about that freshman line at Boston College. And I was like, man, just wait a couple months. Like, I don't know if you guys saw that play that they made against Notre Dame mm-hmm. on Friday, but that was that was crazy. And I said, could you guys, could you guys score a goal in one NHL game as a line if you guys were a line? They said, yeah. <laughs> like, I think they could too. I don't even think there's a 100%. question. But then they came to like, could you guys score three goals in three games? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. that's a good thing that they're confident. Hey, I mean that, but that line, they're all going to the NHL and. That, that shot from Ryan Leonard, I asked him to compare him to Ovi for a second, that, that slap shot that he took. I was like, dude, he's he's the legit. He's legit. The Capitals yeah. are going to like him. You, <laughs> got, you got Perot from the Rangers, and I'm like, is it Will Smith from the Sharks? Is that the yep. three? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, those, line, yep. that's an unreal line. And we, yeah. Frankie and I, we oh, yeah. we went to town talking on Will Smith going into the draft. Yeah. And it's like he's I've done a lot of work with him too. We did a video with a little thin that little interview with him at the draft, and uh, we did something with Matthew Wood too at the NHL draft this past season. But uh, Will, another great kid that I worked with, he's on our podcast as well. Um, but I don't think uh, he's in any hurry to go to San Jose right now. But uh, after the season, I'm t- I'm saying, but uh, yeah, he's going to be legit the next level too. Yeah, they're I all hope, really good vision. <laughs> I hope he comes back next year. That's just yeah, I think the whole line comes back. You know, pro yeah. he can develop a little more, add some weight, and uh, but the Rangers should like what they see from him. I mean, he's a apple machine. He's just Jeez. everything. He's if they all if they all come back next year and are soft, a national champion. Of it's a national champion. Yeah, right? yeah. And that's what we said about the Gophers too, and at least they made it there. But like, yeah, you're yeah. gonna have a good run next year. And as as you've seen too at Conte, like they've been starting to sell out games and stuff like that too. The students have come back for the first time and. They didn't even have the student section when they had Boldy and Newhook. But now, you know, so it's good to see our cross-college hockey fans are attending. And it's been a couple of years since North Dakota has been one of the top teams in college hockey, too. I mean, I remember the days of, like, Travis Ajak being there with Taves and Parisi and all them. And then, you know, it moves on into the Brock Besser type era. And, you know, that, that team was unreal. Loved watching those guys. But lately, North Dakota kind of been... No, I'm not going to say irrelevant. They're always huge in college hockey in terms of yeah. a name brand, but they haven't been like an actual threat to win the title in a while. Um, mm-hmm. They're back, though. I for, I firmly think they're like right there in the mix. What's your take on Nodak, though? Yeah, I think uh, Jackson Blake, a buddy of mine, but he's one of the uh, best players in college hockey. I think he can win the Hobie this year. Um, he is younger. He's not the biggest kid, but I don't know. One of the best guys at getting to the net from the half boards and – half while there and anything there's down on the offensive zone he's he's it give him the puck he can make stuff happen same with Reese Gaber they have a bunch of guys doing good things this year at Nodak but uh I think they they're they were my pick I think to go to the frozen four I had them at one point at least but you know it's they're they're they have the skill for sure um NCHE is tough though another conference that's so tough anyone can go win it but as far as pairwise they're going to be in the tournament for sure and you know you got to come up with two solid games to make it to the frozen four but don't be shocked if you see them in St. Paul this season love it yeah, uh, fantastic. Love it as well. Right now, we got Boston College 1, North Dakota 2. 
They're both 11-2-1. Both schools have tremendous athletes playing fantastic. I believe your ranking, you got North Dakota one. Yeah, I did put them College on. two. What gives North Dakota the edge over Boston College, in your opinion? Well, all, we just had North Dakota higher than Boston College last week. So that, that was the main reason behind it, and they both swept. Um, North Dakota got a lucky, I guess. It was technically outsides if you saw our post about it, but there's a picture of the guy outside. But they won an overtime versus Bemidji State, my alma mater. And then Saturday night, they killed them five zip. But uh, I don't know. I just feel like I couldn't take them below BC since they both swept, technically speaking. But Fair. I think both like have a lot of skill on each team. BC maybe a little more skill, Nordic a little more grit. But uh, the fans are hungry. They're confident in their team. And when that happens at North Dakota, I mean, hockey is their sport. Their college hockey is it. So um, good things happen, though. I, I know the guys are riding on the adrenaline they got going on right now. But For uh, sure. Yeah, both highly skilled teams. I'd love to see both in the Frozen Four. Our buddy in the chat, Skokes, he's a big Chicago Blackhawks fan. He has a question for you, James. He says, sure. thoughts on Moore and Rinzel at Minnesota. Obviously, you're near and dear to Minnesota. You got the jersey behind you. What's your take on them and then the whole school squad as a whole? Yeah, I, every. I mean, I just watched uh, – I went this past weekend to watch them against Michigan State on Sunday. But uh, Moore has seemed to impress me every single time. Watching this season, I probably watched about five games of theirs this season. Um, but I'm just thinking, like, his passing, if I can see him on the power play with Bedard very soon. Um, his, his, his eye hockey IQ is through the roof and he's really quick. Got a good shot. Obviously you've seen them multiple clips on Instagram this season, but uh, he's, he's a full package. Good kid. Um, just give him time to develop. I think he probably he'll stay next year. I'm guessing if I had to guess, but him and Bedard soon will be tearing it up with the Blackhawks. We did a mock draft on this show before yeah. the draft. And I was telling Vinny, I'm like, I really hope the Hawks draft Oliver Moore. That's who I would draft if I were in their shoes. They got him. He's looked fantastic. He's quick. He's got to work on his shot a little bit, but I think he'll be okay. Um, I saw your interview with Jared Westcott on your podcast. Yeah. Tell me more about this kid. I know he leads the nation in points. He's having a tremendous year so far. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think he's, he's like, you know, from interviewing him, like he's happy, happy to be, you know, where he is, obviously. But I don't think he was expecting, you know, this this takeoff of a year. And uh, he's done just that for Lake State and has helped him win games and stay competitive in the CCHA. But, I mean, he's already got 12 goals a season in, like, 14 games or whatever it is, 15 games. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just got a good shot. He knows where to be right now. He's just shooting the puck. You know, I asked him, is coach giving you more leeway? Are you sticking more to the systems right now since we've been scoring? He's like, obviously the coach gives me a little more rope to work with, you know, but uh, – uh, it's it's been working for him. He didn't score this past weekend against St. Thomas, but he, he's right there. And uh, it's been cool to see him take off and make uh, Lake State, you know, at the top of leaderboards and something right now because they haven't had the best couple past seasons. So you got Wisconsin. It's been yeah. a, it's been a while. Um, I went to a game last year against Michigan because I was, my sole purpose for going there was to see Luke Hughes. I obviously yep. wanted to check him out. I'm a Devils fan. But, you know, I got to Macklin Celebrini – or not Celebrini, excuse me, Adam Fantilli. I get the Italians that are going really high in the draft <laughs> confused. Um, Fantilli, he scored a goal from the goal line. Seamus Casey was unreal. Wisconsin beat them somehow, though. And yeah. they weren't like this highly ranked team. Michigan obviously ended up making it where they made it. But I'm looking at Wisconsin now, a couple top 60 draft picks from last year, a couple guys that could go this year. Like that barn is just on fire so far this season compared to where it yeah. was this time last year. Talk about Wisconsin for me, James. Yeah, I think they just got a new energy. I think a lot of a lot of 
you know, people, including myself, kind of wrote them off before the season even started a fair chance because there's just no chemistry there. They had a really tough season previous season. New head coaches in town. Obviously, Mike Hastings, he's got a good track record. But still, the challenge, you know, was against him, and they came out hot and proved everyone wrong. Um, and that's without Charlie Strammel, another wild draft pick, but not doing much at all to start the season. They still found a way to win games and and come out there. I know they rely heavily on him, but um, – they got just a bunch of good pieces. Everyone's hungry and they got good goaltending so far, but I just like Mike Hastings He's a good coach and he proved that at Minnesota state. And um, yeah, I don't know, Wisconsin, I'm still trying to figure them up to figure them out, to be honest with you guys. So it's, they lost this, this past weekend, they had a tough weekend, but the whole season so far has been, you know, really cool to see. Absolutely. And, you know, we've had some great conversation about the men's college hockey. I want to give women's college hockey a little yeah, love too. Here. They're great. Um, yeah. Yeah, they There's are great. I love the women's game and them growing and women's hockey growing. I love it. I, mm -hmm. I think it's tremendously entertaining. Um, is there a team that could take down Ohio State right now, though, in women's college hockey? Seem to be everybody's number one to take home the UMD, Minnesota, they're always they're always good every year, too. Like, I don't know. I thought Minnesota was gonna win it all last year and they didn't. Wisconsin did, right? So yeah, or Ohio State, one of the two at Wisconsin came and won. And uh Harvey's one of the best players I've ever seen in women's hockey. I was watching Taylor Heisey last year, and she was the was the best. But now, like Caroline Harvey on Wisconsin, she's the real deal. Um, I like watching her play. So yeah, there's some women's players that have really blown my mind oh, yeah. for what they're doing on the sheet, and um, I, I you know hope it continues to grow. Sport. If they don't trade him, do you think Seamus Casey plays for the New Jersey Devils at some point? Yeah, I. I why not? <laughs> I don't see it. I don't see why I get rid of him, but yeah, I think he does. And he, he might win the Hobie this year too. He really could. Like he is insane. Not a big guy, but he's quick. He's got a good shot. He's, he knows what to do out there. There's no doubt. It's fun to watch that Michigan team. I'm surprised they're having the struggles. They kind of are the season, like with the names on that roster. It's not as big as the last few years, obviously, but uh, still surprised at the record a little bit. I uh, I know uh Agrody's got hurt, but he's, he's coming back. So he'll, he'll, he'll get back there and help the team out. But yeah, it's kind of, They've been through it already this season, Michigan has. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're a Wild fan, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. What's going on with the Wild? <laughs> I don't know. I got a new head coach. That's <laughs> yeah, he's been my head coach before, too. Good luck with that. I yeah. am a little skeptical. <laughs> a little skeptical. And yeah, I don't know. I I thought they were going to give it to Darby Hendrickson, who's been an assistant coach there and on the bench with the boys for a while. So, I'm a great guy, and you I thought I was going to get the, the gig, but he didn't. So I know they won last night versus the Blues. So that's something, but we'll see. We'll see. Boldy, another guy uh, that I know, he's, uh, you know, had his struggles this season, but he scored last night and hopefully things turn around here for the guys. I think it's still early enough where they can bounce back, but yeah, I don't know. Either decide for Macklin or Eisenman right now or, or go for. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. would you rather them be yes, bad? I would. I would just because of we're, we're tied down with money. So I'd rather go get the draft pick right now and build up for two years from now. Interesting. If so. they got a Celebrini or an Iserman, Frank, and they're like a good team that had a bad year and they got, they kind of lucked into that. Yeah. Like, and you still have Kaprizov, you figure out a way to get him signed like really long term. You have Joel Erickson, Eck, and Boldy, and Faber, and all these guys that they really like. Figure out the goaltending situation. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, you insert Salabrini or Iserman. You get yeah. Parisi and Suter's 
cap off the books and all of a sudden you could be thinking about a guy like Leon Dreisaitl or William yeah. Nylander in free agency, you know, something crazy like that. All of a sudden the Wild are a powerhouse. I, I, I would scrap this season so fast if I could. Oh, I and I think uh, – I hope that's why they got rid of Dean yesterday. It didn't make sense. I'm like, you guys should just scrap the season to keep him on board. But maybe he didn't want to – Garen didn't want to ruin Dean's record overall and so he can go get another job somewhere else. Because I, I did like Dean here and the energy he brought. So I don't know. You know, He'll coach a good team soon. It's yeah, just, we're, we're close. The college – keep rely on the college prospects because we have plenty of them. We're not using them. Sammy Walker is one of the fastest guys in the NHL, and we don't have him up right now. Yeah, so, absolutely. It's just so yeah. crazy how bad they've been because I had yeah, to make in the playoffs. So and they still might. They're not, like, completely out of it, I guess. They're not completely out, but they got to turn it around now like they did last night and keep it going. I watched them against the Rangers a couple weeks ago, and they looked good. They won that game, and they shoot up all these scored, but it's like, I don't know. It just – They've been falling. Top goalie prospect in the league, too? Yeah, you got to give him a chance at some point. I respect Fleury, and he, I think he's good for any locker room in the NHL. But, uh, you know, with Gus's struggles, I don't know. You can't, Can you write him off, like, what, 20 games into the season when he had the year he had last year? I don't know. It's it's tough. Well, Frank, tough. Frankie has a future on him to win the Vesna, so we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> um, one more college question I wanted to ask you. I'm seeing a lot about this kid at Denver, and Denver's a squad too. Massimo Rizzo. I love talking the. Yeah. <laughs> I could. I like talking hockey. And I like legit. talking Italians. Yeah, tell me about him. There's another Hobie guy. I yep. mean, they, Denver's always had a lot of talent on their team, so to stand out on that team means you're really good. Um, I he, he's been scoring. He can he can pass. He can do literally everything. Defensive side. I, I don't know if he's going to be enough for them to win the championship. They're up there this year, but another team that's been seemingly going to the frozen four every, you know, or just in the tournament every year and, and you know, having a chance to win a championship. But if, if they are going to do some, it's up to this kid this season. So um, then get, you know, keep getting production from, from all lines that they're going to be a legit contender, but Rizzo, another Hobie candidate. Um, how many, I don't know, could he lead the country in points this year? I mean, I think so. It doesn't mean you get good the whole lead the country, but it's a good start. Um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I like his speed. He's just really fun to watch every time I've watched him. Absolutely. Frank, do you have another question for him? Yeah, I got one more college hockey question for you, James. Um, yeah. I want you to predict the national championship right now. <laughs> <laughs> Put him on the spot, dude. I am. I'm putting him on the spot. That's how you get the raw reaction. What I want to see BCBU. That's what I'd love okay. to see in championship. I think that's going to build into next year when Eiserman comes to town and all these guys stay. I think, you know, Cole Hudson will probably leave if I had to guess, but the rest of the BU team staying, even Celebrini and, um, and then BC with their guys too. I think that whole freshman line stays. Plus, they got more people coming in too. So I just want to build the narrative for next year, kind of. But I, I know I do see those, both those teams being easily contenders to go to the national championship. I'd love to see Nodak, Minnesota, BUBC. That'd be for rivalry standpoint, that'd be the best frozen for 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 college hockey. Oh yeah. BC BU's possible in the bean pot final, right? They don't play each other in the first round. No, they round. do. They do they, play. They played Monday, the first Monday. Oh, right? that's annoying. Why I for, for I don't know, but that that game is gonna be the night game. I have to it has to be. Yeah, I would think so. so. That might be the most watched college hockey game of the season. Because I hope the, so. Because of the players that they have on that and um Right now, as of now, we're, we're planning on going to that. So I, I think that might be at yeah, the game of the year. I really wanted to go to Maine UNH this weekend. I don't think it's going to happen. But another team that's really surprised is UNH this season. And New Hampshire, and they, uh, they've just been winning games. They're, they're top 15, top 20 at least right now. But they, they came out of nowhere this year. Another team, just want to give them some credit. But And Maine, they, they beat BC. So, like, 
and I think I had a tie against them if I remember right. But yeah, they've they've been legit too. That hockey East has really surprised me this season. Probably yeah, too tearing it up. God. Yeah, they are good. And so I kind of want to ask one. It's kind of a two part question, but the first part of it is kind of like a dumb meatball. What if? But I genuinely <laughs> curious of your opinion. If Logan Cooley would have went back to school, yeah, would he have been the biggest lock for the Hobie Baker since Jack Eichel? Or, yeah. D- yeah. like, I, 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 there's a lot of names now, and I just, if Logan Cooley, he's probably second in, or second or third, I think I would go Bedard, Luke Hughes, Cooley in the Calder, but you could argue the second two. Fantilli. Yeah, Fantilli's up there, too, for sure, and I think Leo Carlson, by the time the year's yeah. over, will be in the mix, too, but... I mean, all these guys, they're in the NHL. Cooley's competing with them. If he goes back to college hockey, I'm like, is it the biggest shoe in for the Hobie Baker of all time? Yeah, had, yeah, I, you know, he could have won it last year. I think he should have won it last year. But Fantilli was definitely deserved it as well. Nyes, too. I mean, Nyes is – God, I knew he was going to tear it up in the NHL. He's got a big yeah. body. But Nyes Cooley's got 13 points in 21 games for Coyotes. So, like I said, I talked to him this offseason – he seemed ready. He is ready, and he's proven it with his with his points right now. So I, I would love to see him go in the Calder this season. But if he came back, yeah, he'd have been a lock for the Hobie, and I think a, a Gophers would have been a lock for a Frozen Four pick. Yeah, I I agree. I, I loved his interview on Chicklets too. That he was like he was kind yeah. of funny, but he kind of had like a dry sense of humor. Like it's, he's just a cool dude. I I like Logan Cooley a lot. Yep. No, great great kid for sure. And yeah, one of the most talented guys already in the NHL, which has been cool to see. And he's going to help grow the game. For sure, maybe he'll be the greatest coyote who ever lived. I think that is like something he could be a goal. It could be a goal for him. He gets a teammate to help him out, like like a Eiserman or Macklin Celebrini. It's going to be really dangerous. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, are a wagon, love the Yotes. Um, James, we can't thank you enough for coming on our show. Before we let you go, give yourself a couple minutes here to promote what you got coming on. Something you might want to talk about with your channel, with your Twitter page. You know, promote all that stuff. Yeah, our Cornell video is coming out, our college hockey game day at Cornell. They played Harvard. They did lose the game, but a cool atmosphere. We got all behind-the-scenes footage of that game. Um, so go check that out. That's going to be on YouTube this week. Also, Day in the Life with Scott Morrow, future NHL uh, defenseman. He's uh, legit at UMass. So UMass, the minute, they're hot this season. Go go check those out. Go subscribe to our YouTube at Everything College Hockey, Instagram, Everything College Hockey, Twitter, Team ECH. We'll be covering college hockey every single night, every day. Absolutely. James, it has been our pleasure to have you on our show. Thank you so much for coming on. Everybody, go follow at James Murray ECH on Twitter, on X. Go follow at Team ECH on X. You're not going to be disappointed. We're bringing college hockey from all fronts here. It needs to be just as popular as college basketball and college football. It's going to be, right? I hope. I hope. By the time... If it's, with if the Luke Hughes, the Logan Cooleys of the world going to the NHL, college hockey will become college yes, so fun yes. to watch. It was always the second tier players in yes. the NHL. The B yes. plus, the B like Taves kind of broke that mold a little bit, but then Oshie, yeah, a little yeah, bit. yeah, Oshie, like, Zach Parisi, Zajac, but like Luke Hughes could win a Norris Trophy one day. Like that guy next year. Hockey. He could do it next year. He's that good. <laughs> Let's, go. Let's go. As Foster says in the chat, everything college hockey. Make sure you go follow, subscribe, do it all. James, thank you so much again. And fans, Thanks we have been you. Yeah. Period number two. Sorry, VP. Dude. Welcome to period two, dude. If BC plays BU in the natty, do we like just go to the game? Might have to. Do a live podcast from the parking lot? Oh my god, that would be so much fun. I would do it. Oh yeah, I would too. Hundred percent. Um that would be sick. What a good final that would be. 
I know. I, I, the fact that it's the first game, I, he, I thought I remembered them playing each other in the Beanpot final, but now I do. Uh, it's because I remember them playing each other right. because I think Hockey East like forces them to play each other in the first game. That way it's a guaranteed matchup every yeah. game. But they're not always the best teams in the, the four that play in the Beanpot. Northeastern went back-to-back, I think, two years ago. And Harvard has obviously won it before, too. So, you know, there was a year, I swear there was a year where Harvard played Northeastern in the Beanpot final, meaning both BU and BC lost the opening. Right. No, that can't be right because they play each other. I'm dumb. Whatever. Dude, college hockey rules, though. It's growing for sure. Hell yeah. You know, the thing about, I mean, I'd love to see college hockey get there to where college basketball is and college football. I think it could, but it just doesn't have like that big market right now. Like basketball's got March Madness. That's a huge market, right? The college football playoff, huge market. The Frozen Four doesn't have that big market right now. We got to get there, but it could get there. It needs it needs people like James. It needs people like yeah, us. It, right. You know, Bucci Bucci's already poured his whole life and soul. It is right. where it is now because of Bucci. Right. You know, he walked so guys like us can run, and you know, it's on ESPN Plus. And not every game, but like you can watch your favorite team at least two times a month if you have ESPN Plus. If you got to look for other ways, the Big Ten Network is always showing games that are in the Big Ten. Um, Quinnipiac versus BU. That was a big game last week at a neutral site. It was at Madison Square Garden, actually. You might have saw some highlights. Um, the, the Bruins and BU, both teams from Boston, lost at Madison Square Garden on the same day, which was very funny. Um, but, you know, that was on ESPN+. Plus. Like, all this stuff, it's becoming more and more readily available. Go watch more college hockey. Absolutely. One of the best American players ever to not play college hockey because he invented this route. You like Jack Hughes is really the only one to follow this route to the NHL as a number one overall pick American that went straight from the development program to the NHL without any college in between Patrick Kane. Obviously he was the number one overall pick in the 2007 NHL draft by the draft lottery winning Chicago Blackhawks. He went on to have a hall of fame career just in his time in Chicago. He's got three Stanley cups an art Ross trophy as the league's leading scorer, a heart trophy as the league's regular season MVP, the con Smythe trophy as the playoff MVP. He won the Calder trophy as the top rookie. He's been an all-star nine times. Now, after being traded to the New York Rangers at the trade deadline last year, he has signed a free agent contract with the Detroit Red Wings. Frank is your reaction to this negative feelings I kind of have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but what's your take on Patrick Kane joining the Red Wings? I got no negative feelings. None at all. Um, Smart. Are we really surprised that Patrick Kane went to Detroit? No, not entirely. Kind of what I expected, really. Top three team, both of us would have said them. I would have said top two, maybe even. Yeah. Um, The Detroit Red Wings, they have one of the best younger rosters in the NHL right now. They're playing great hockey at the moment. They currently hold the third spot in the Atlantic Division. They're only six points behind the Bruins for first in the division. Now, do I think this team could win the division? Probably not. It's going to be tough. But do I think this team can make a run in the playoffs with Patrick Kane? Absolutely. I said last week or the week before when we were talking about the Patrick Kane rumors that Detroit would be one of the best places for Patrick Kane to go to, not only for his sake, but for Detroit's sake as well. I mean, this team is as good as it is. And if you had, or this team is good right now. And if you had a guy like Patrick Kane, who has won three Stanley Cups, um, to your roster, 
it's only going to help you do better this for the season and maybe in the postseason as well. Now, Patrick Kane stated, you know, he only wants to go to a team that is ready to win now. He's not going to go to a team that's rebuilding, obviously. Um, and while Detroit winning the cup, you know, kind of seems like a bit of a long shot to me. I think Alex Dabrinkit being there was a confirmation that he needed. And Dabrinkit and Kane, obviously, as a lot of our viewers know, were teammates for five seasons with the Blackhawks and line mates for much of the two years that Dabrinkit scored 41 goals. Um, he did that twice with the Hawks. So Dabrinkit, I heard, was actually one of the reasons why Kane decided to come to Detroit. He kind of sold him on it. He was in contact with him through the whole process, and that's why Kane landed with the Red Wings. I mean, these two players together, again, can do some magical things, but also in the back of your head at 35 years of age, there always has to be a little hesitation, too, in the back of everybody's mind, right? And, you know, the Blackhawks play Detroit this Thursday, so we'll have a reunion again with Kane um, playing the Blackhawks. That'll be interesting. So I'm looking forward to Patrick Kane playing again against the Hawks tomorrow. He's not playing tomorrow. He's not playing tomorrow. No. I thought he was. No. All right. Scratch everything I said. He's probably going to make his debut in Buffalo on Tuesday. All right. I changed, Screw Patrick Kane. If you're watching this. Uh, no. But they come to Chicago to retire Chris Chelios's number in January. So that will be really, I really. Thought, cool. Why isn't he playing? Um, the target was. I watched his entire press conference. Um, if he plays tomorrow, that means he lied in the press conference. So I just want to make that very clear. Um, he said a week to ten days, and the earliest the earliest target is the Tuesday game against Buffalo. Detroit plays Ottawa and San Jose next week too. So one of those is a possibility if he doesn't do Buffalo. But I have a feeling with his parents in the crowd and stuff, like Buffalo is probably going to end up being the day that he comes back and then he'll make his home debut uh, either a day or two later with Ottawa. So um, yeah, uh, the Blackhawks and wings, they're not rivals anymore. They really haven't been in over 10 years. I know people like to chant Detroit sucks because it's funny, but you know, I, I also think the fact that Detroit's number one team in each sport, their biggest rival is Chicago in all of them. And you know, that's the same as it reciprocated in Chicago. That's just not. Mm -hmm. um, the Packers are a bigger rival to the Bears than the Lions. The I would say the Twins are a bigger rival to the White Sox than Detroit. I would say the Guardians are too. Um, and what am I? Oh, the Bulls' biggest rival. I guess you could say it's the Pistons. Eh. But like, it would have certainly been in the late '80s, early '90s. Like, it would have been no question. Now it's like they stink. There's no rival there. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and the Bulls are just so bad, like everybody just laughs at them. It's not they don't have any rival. But um, I, I love it. Let me ask you something mm -hmm. of every player to every ever play in the NHL. Where do you think to bring it ranks in goals scored assisted by Patrick Kane? Uh the, you're asking me, so it's probably one, but I wouldn't think it's one. It's not one. I, I'd say like three. You would guess three. Yeah, three who or would, four. Who would be ahead? Panarin. No, I don't know. Jonathan Taves has the most goals scored oh. assisted by Patrick Kane. Yeah, duh. You were. I I would have thought Patrick Sharp. I was thinking wingers. I wasn't thinking centers. I was. I would have thought Patrick Sharp. And. Well, Taves and Kane didn't play each other with each other five on five, but they were teammates for so long that the power play goals stack up. I completely you know, forgot about Taves. But Sharp is third. Wow. Alex Dabrinka is second. 
Wow. And they weren't teammates on any good teams. You know, they, they were mostly stinky. Debrinket has never played a postseason. Debrinket second? He's second. It goes yeah. Taves, Debrinket, Sharp. And I was, like, stunned when I saw that. I was like, Debrinket has more goals scored assisted by Patrick Kane. And then I started thinking, well, Debrinket had back-to-back 40 burgers. I would bet 30 of them were assisted by Kane. That's 60 right there. And then, you know, a couple miscellaneous ones here and there. Um, yeah. But Sharp, Sharp played with Kane a lot, but Sharp didn't score as many goals as Debrinket. Sharp was the chemistry's awesome. there. Yeah, and the chemistry's there. It was there with Panarin, too. It didn't work in New York, but Kane's hip was injured. Um, they're going to use him with Debrinket, though, more than I, the, the I would think so. Panarin. I would they think so. Um, I would run I would run Debrinket, Larkin, Kane, and I would bump Lucas Raymond down and have him play with Bergeron and Comfer. On the wow. second line, and that's like a really, really good group there. Um, I don't know who you're pushing out of the lineup. Probably, you know, may, maybe someone like Raymond plays center, yeah. and they bump out Christian Fisher, or you know, Clem Costin comes out of the lineup. You know, if they're keeping Raymond at right wing, but I mean, I, I'm excited to see it. I'm worried nobody who had the surgery at Patrick King's age or older, the exact same surgery. None, nobody ever played more than sixty games. It's tough. Especially for a hip man at that age. Yeah, it's well, it's move. it's hip replacement. Um, Backstrom had it. He's away because of his health now. Um, the, uh, remember Ed Jovanovsky? His career ended because of it. Ryan Kessler played zero games after trying to come back from it, and so did there was another name, a big name of somebody who tried to come back and didn't because you know they were they're all on the older side always. But I hope Patrick Kane breaks the mold. I think he. I have a feeling he's going to. Because of, you know, those guys were all great. Every single one I named, especially Backstrom. But Backstrom did play in 40-something games, had 20-something points. I think if Detroit got 40 games out of Kane this year and 20-something points, they'd be really thrilled with that. Um, he's a $2 million player. They're not expecting him to be the Conn Smythe Trophy winner or anything like that. But, you know, I am thrilled to see that he's back in the league. And he goes from freaking Hawks. I don't even know the direction. Hawks, Rangers, Detroit. He just likes playing for original six teams in cold climates, I guess. Yeah. I mean, is this Patrick Kane's last team? No. You don't think so? No. I think, okay. I think it is. It's not his last contract. I didn't say that. So you think he re-signs with Detroit in the office? I don't think if he's either going to continue playing with Detroit or... I mean, besides signing like a one-day contract with the Hawks, I think. That's oh yeah, that don't count. Yeah. But no, like his actual, I think he sticks with Detroit. I, this is it, I think. And well, obviously, like I said, there's always in the back of everybody's mind. You're 35 years old, and you had this hip surgery, and like you named, it's hard to be successful after coming back from a surgery like this. So I think this is it for him. Truly, I think he's with Detroit for the rest of his career, and uh, we'll see if I'm wrong. If not, maybe he'll go to Toronto or Bruins or Montreal, another original six team, and keep the streak going. I wholeheartedly think if Buffalo has Detroit's record, there's a chance he's on that team right now. Oh, yeah. You're saying, like, at this point. like if Yeah. They had their, oh, yeah. And I think there would have been a chance. So but he that wants to go to a team that could win a cup and play in the playoffs, and right now it's not looking like that for mm-hmm. Buffalo. And that's why I think in the offseason – it wouldn't shock me if he takes the talents over to Buffalo without and helps them get off to a good start. And, you know, if he's confident in himself, it's either Detroit or Buffalo for me the rest of the way. 
that I do believe. Um, Dallas was in the mix. Um, I I don't know Colorado, I don't think so but you know he did say there were a couple in his presser today. He did say there were a couple Western Conference teams that were in the mix. Um, but I'm going to get to the Hawks and Kane in a couple segments here. There's something about this whole thing that it doesn't sit well with me. And we'll, we'll get to that in a couple minutes when we talk about that shit show. But before we do that, Frank, let's talk about something we kind of touched on with James Murray in the first period, the Minnesota wild fired head coach, Dean Evison, and they brought in, um, former Nashville predators and New Jersey devils head coach, John Hines. Um, John Hines was the coach of the Devils during one of my favorite seasons ever as a Devils fan, 2017-18, when Halsey won the Hart Trophy and there was Nico Heischer's rookie year. Um, John Hines, he had a good he a good resume at that point in time, and then things started to really fall off, and the locker room went to hell. They got rid of Brian Boyle. They traded Taylor Hall. I mean, you know, they fired John Hines, and, you know, obviously Lindy Ruff was brought in a couple summers later, so it worked out, but... I, I'm wondering what you think about Dean Evison going and John Hines being the guy with the reputation that he has. Decent run in Nashville. Um, what's your take on this whole thing, Frank? Well, first off, I think the Minnesota Wild are the biggest disappointing team in the NHL this season. Yeah, I have Edmonton. Yeah, but I think Edmonton might find a way to crawl out of the hole. We'll see. I know. I My know. take is not looking good. And right now, the Wild, I don't really see that in their future i mean i had him making the playoffs in a division spot me i'm too. pretty sure me too um so and right now they're they're seventh in the division only two points ahead of the blackhawks and 30th in the nhl it's like wow this minnesota wild team really really took a turn for the worst um but this firing it i guess it needed to happen right they haven't won a game in seven straight games but they did yesterday they ended that yesterday against the Blues, but before that, they they were on a seven game losing streak, um, and they're just another team, much like the Edmonton Oilers, who have young talent ready to win a cup now. A start to the season like this is something that just can't happen. I mean, you got great players on this team. We were saying that with James, it's like you could win the draft lottery, have Macklin Celebrini, and then still have Kaprizov and all and Marco Rossi and all these other great players on this team, and go out and win a cup. So it's like that's why they've just been so disappointing. But this was Dean Evison's Evison Evison, right? Dean Evison's fifth year as the Wilds head coach, and he ended up having a great record as the coach for the Wild overall. I mean, he made the playoffs in all four years previous with the Wild, but he never made it out of the first round. Even during the COVID year, when twenty-four teams made the playoffs due to the qualification round, he wasn't able to get the Wild out of qualifying. So it's like he was never able to take the next step, but he was always a winning coach with the team. Now, John Hines comes in and takes over. And John Hines had some pretty successful regular seasons with the Devils and the Predators. Um, you know, he was a winning coach, but he too is somebody who couldn't really coach well come playoff times. I'm pretty sure he never won a first-round matchup as a coach as well. And I know that if I was making the decision as who to hire as head coach, I would have probably went a different route. And I know James agrees with me. Um, I think Heinz coaching style is kind of in the past. I think the game of hockey is moving past that. We're seeing that with a lot of old coaches, and I think John Heinz is going to be one of them. I don't think it meshes well with today's type of hockey, but ultimately this is his chance to prove me wrong and put me in my place for everything I'm saying. But I just I don't see this being the right fit for the Minnesota Wild. And I also 
don't see him long-term in the Wilds organization. I agree. So interesting times for the Minnesota Wild. It's also interesting times for the Chicago Blackhawks. Over the last week or so, we heard about how Taylor Hall's out for the year. Andreas Athanasi is going to be out for a minute dealing with an injury. Um, and then we found out that Corey Perry was stepping away from the team. And, you know, a couple of days of speculation went on. Um, then it came out yesterday that they have put him on waivers with the purpose of terminating his contract. He did since we went live clear waivers and his contract is officially terminated. Um, Frank, before I get into my frustrations and critiques of the Chicago Blackhawks, I'll let you take the floor. It is your favorite team after all. Yeah. You know, I just got a, a little to say about both players, about Hall and Perry right now, Hall out for the season, uh, due to him having knee surgery. Corey Perry, obviously, like you said, his contract's been terminated due to the internal investigation that the Blackhawks took. I mean, two of the three guys you brought in to help these young guys build and give Bedard veterans to play with are gone. So it's like you ask yourself, what's next? We're probably never going to know the full truth, at least in the foreseeable future, about what happened with Corey Perry. But the next steps is, do you go out and sign a veteran or trade for a veteran for the rest of the year just so these young guys and Bedard have somebody to play with? With the, for the rest of the year. I mean, the Hawks did get Bavillier uh, from the Vancouver Canucks, which is good, but we're just 25% done with the season. If there was 25% of the season left to go, then it's like you might leave well enough alone and just finish out the season. But with 75% of the season remaining and the development of some of your most important prospects of the team on the team right now, it feels like the Blackhawks have to go out and make some sort of move. I'll let you take over. Um, I agree. Um, I want to address the Perry thing. Obviously, there were some nasty rumors out there. I'm sure you saw. Mm -hmm. That is the problem with the world. The fact that people believe whatever it is they see online, even if it is not from a credible source, and the credible sources come out and they debunk it and people just don't care. And it gets to a nasty level where Kyle Davidson, first of all, what the hell are the Chicago Blackhawks doing making Kyle Davidson go out there and be the one who has to be the guinea pig from this? Kyle Davidson is in, cha in charge of hockey ops, okay? It's his job to develop Bedard and make sure his drafting and scouting and all that is on top of things. That should have been Jamie Faulkner and Danny Wirtz on that podium yesterday, not Kyle Davidson. Corey Perry was released because of, you know, well, that's a player transaction. That's Kyle Davidson's job. Corey Perry was released for off-ice conduct. It had nothing to do with his play on the ice. Let me give you some facts. Corey Perry has nine points in 16 games this season. He was rather productive. For the Chicago Blackhawks, he was having a great start to the season. He kind of, he didn't look like the old Perry that scored 50 goals and had 100 points, but he kind of looked like lesser old Perry, like the last two years with the Ducks Perry. He led the Blackhawks in expected goals for, he led them in Corsi for, and all the advanced statistics. He was having a great year to start the year for the Chicago Blackhawks. So clearly he was let go for off ice conduct. We know that. And if you're the Blackhawks, you let Connor Bedard sit there with this rumor swirling for close to a week, and it took you that long to go out there and defend this kid? This kid is your most prized asset that probably you've ever had. Your future rides on the success and happiness of this kid 
and you let this rumor get to the way it is and you wait till Tuesday after it started on Friday for this to, you know, kind of get debunked by Kyle Davidson. You know, it's one thing for Charlie Romeliotis or Elliot Friedman to debunk a rumor, but it's another for Kyle Davidson or Jamie Faulkner or uh, Danny Wirtz to go out there. Hell, even Luke Richardson to go out there and say something about it. And, you know, if you're doing an internal investigation and you don't want to give details, fine, but it would have taken no effort to go out there and debunk that disgusting rumor right at the start of it all and put that to bed the second it even gained a little bit of steam. The Blackhawks did Connor Bedard a serious disservice and his mom's good name. I'm sure she's a nice lady. That's going to be a chirp for the rest of the time now. I can't. I, I dread hearing about what people in Montreal or Boston say to this kid next time he pays them a visit. You know, and fans are allowed to do and say what they want, even though that really shouldn't be the case. I don't care if they're paying customers. Um, it's just disgusting what's gone on with that whole situation over the last, you know, handful of days. Kyle Davidson was literally brought to tears during the press conference. I don't know if that's because what Corey Perry did was so egregious that it brought him to tears or if it's because of the things that have been said about Connor Bedard and his family, I think weighing on Kyle Davidson, I'm sure it's probably a mix of both, but I mean, what a disgusting situation this has really turned out to become. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's really not much more for me to say about it. I mean, you touched on everything. Um, I mean, it affects a lot, too, and, like, you touched more on the deeper points, and I kind of touched more on what it means going forward because I do think, uh, like I said, two of the three players you got are, like, not here anymore to help his development. And I mean, what's your take on that? Hall's a fluke. Corey Perry's just serious misjudgment. And, you know, what he did, according to Kyle Davidson, I watched the entire presser from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. According to Kyle Davidson, what Corey Perry did didn't match the background check that was done on him leading up to his signing. And you know what? I kind of believe that because Corey Perry's been a scumbag on the ice. And there have been a couple off-ice things with Perry. I remember when he was on the Ducks that people were complaining about him. Um, He always did, like, weirdo stuff, like, was it Corey Perry that squirted water in Drew Doughty's glove you know, that one time? You know, I just always just done. Yeah. He would grab Marion Hosa's stick, and then Hosa dropped it, and then or Hosa let go. So he's like, "Okay, you could have it." And then Perry just dropped it, and Hosa was just like, "Fuck off, dude." Corey Perry has borderline Hall of Fame numbers. <laughs> the voters are the voters are people too. The voters are people too. Um. I mean, you you might not think so. Corey Perry was like a handful of points away from a thousand, and a thousand points is where people start to like put you on the ballot for the Hall of Fame. And then yeah. you look at his personal achievements, and on the personal side, yeah, he's got the thousand points over a thousand games. That, that, like I said, that gets you on the ballot. And then you start to say, okay, what gets you more than just on the ballot? What gets you in? Individual awards. Well, he's won the Hart Trophy. He's won the Rocket Richard. He's won the Stanley Cup. I mean, Corey Perry literally has, you know, a lower end Hall of Fame resume, and it might all be ruined now. We'll see. It's going to, a lot more is going to come out of this as time goes on. But I mean, uh, again, I don't care about Corey Perry. You know, he's a scumbag. He's, he's, he is what he is as a player. It's more about the pain and hurt that might have been going on for Bedard over the last six days or so. And 
you know, how would that make Kyle Davidson look if at the end of the season, Connor Bedard was like, I hated every second of that. This team put me through hell and back. I'm requesting a trade, you know, and that's not going to happen. I'm obviously, but like, it is possible that mm-hmm. someone hates their situation in year one so much that they request a trade. Now they'd be able to get the moon for Connor Bedard in a trade, but you know, you don't want that. That that's scary to think about. Mm-hmm. And just what what Perry and this whole rumor. And if you're one of the people that feed into the rumor, stop. Like just stop. It's not funny. You know, there there are a couple memes that you know you might crack a smile, but like when you think about what it's doing to Connor Bedard on a personal level, you know, I do think it's 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 odd that he what does he have one point since this rumor started. You know, it's, it's it's players are people too, and you know I want to see Connor Bedard focusing on hockey, so we can see dominant type performances like we saw earlier. You know, in November and the the play he made to set up the Korchinski OT GWG, which I told you they'd beat the Leafs. I I mentioned it. I agreed. I know. I know. We mentioned the Leafs, it. The Leafs don't beat the Hawks. That's no Corona on the Leafs. I know. I know. And if the Leafs missed the playoffs by one point, how funny would that be? They couldn't oh be the once. But, um, you know, that's all I'll say about the Perry thing. I'm done talking about it. I'm done tweeting about it. Um, he's a scumbag. Hopefully the team is able to move on. I am proud of the Blackhawks were informed of something bad, did an investigation quickly, and then reached a conclusion within six days. I do commend them for that. If that would have happened with Kyle Beach 10 years ago, you know, things would be different. Um, so they did kind of handle that properly. I just wish they would have debunked the rumor early. So this kid wasn't sitting there with it for all these days. That's my only negative on it. You know, as far as that Perry, see you in hell, bro. <laughs> Very well said VP. Frank Connor McDusty. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Frank Connor McDusty. Um, he wasn't taking over games. You know, he was having, you know, if you're upset with 18 points in 16 games, that's a 100-point pace almost. Um, If you're upset with that, you're going to the Hall of Fame. Um, Then he puts back-to-back performances of four-plus points. Um, He had nine points in two games over the weekend. He had a couple points last night. And McDavid is now back to being a top-10 scorer in the NHL. He'll probably, honestly, if he ends up winning the scoring title in the MVP, I really wouldn't be all that surprised but before this little run of having nine points in two games he hadn't had more than two in a single game all season long he's starting to take over games again the way that we thought he could Edmonton is all of a sudden winning a couple games huge win over the Vegas Golden Knights yesterday like just the type of win that like says hey we're back I pronounced him dead I was dead wrong um even though they're not like back in it I still think I was wrong I would take that take back if I could because you know, they're the type of team that could crawl out of it. And I don't love the teams that are directly above them in the standings, you know, talking about Anaheim and Seattle and, you know, I, it might be a wild card type of thing. Cause I do think the Canucks Kings and golden Knights are for realsies, but um, the Oilers, man, they're back. McDavid's back. Talk to me about them. Yeah. I mean, to put in a perspective, to put into perspective, how great he's been over his last five games, he has 15 points. It's three points per game. That's a guaranteed three goals per game for the Edmonton Oilers, which is just outstanding. On the season, he's got 28 points, 19 games. I mean, this was um, obviously going back to the games he's been playing in the past 
week or week and a half. They played in five games. Um, they're three and two in those games, which you're getting three points per game out of Connor McDavid, and you're only three and two. That means you're giving up a lot of goals as well if you're guaranteed three goals per game. So that's got to change, and that's got to be bit better. And I know McDavid said their defense has to be better. Their goaltending's got to be better. Um, Stuart Skinner, what a disgrace he's been all year. Oh, my God. But they got to kick things into high gear. Like you said, they had a great win against the Vegas Golden Knights. That was huge. Once again, though, you're playing these shootout type of games, which you know normally benefits you when you got guys like McDavid and Settle. but you really got to clamp down going forward. If this team had a defense like Dallas or had their goaltending, they'd be unstoppable. I mean, let's let's be honest. I agree. I, uh, dude, I picked the Oilers to win the Pacific, and I think the Pacific Division is the best division in the league, and I if still you're, If you're uh, I'm Atlantic, but. nearly three goals per game and you had a defense tri- like top five and goaltending top five, dude, they could win the President's Trophy. I agree. And Thank you know you. what? Bad start. Last year and the year before, not this bad. I said not this bad. Mm-hmm. But you might remember. I think it was your first full NHL season on Bar Down. Um, that year, it was Joey's last season on Bar Down. The Oilers, they were terrible. In and they fired. Who was it? McClellan. They fired McClellan and brought in Woodcroft, and then they went on a run, and they made the playoffs. And I think that spring they ended up they lost to the Abs in the conference finals. Um, they've lost to the Stanley Cup champion each of the last two postseasons. Um, I I wouldn't be shocked if they find their way in anymore. I called them dead two weeks ago. I do normally believe you miss the playoffs in November. Like I used to tell you that you know when the Hawks they had they were expected to be a good team that year, but they started oh nine and one. They were cooked. But they don't have the pedigree. They didn't have the pedigree in that season the way that. Edmonton does right now and I do think if there are four or five teams in the league that would be able to bounce back from a start like that Edmonton is one of them um you know I just I I kind of hope they do I want to watch the oil in the postseason yeah they're not they're not my west they're not dead dead but they're it's tough I just feel bad because they haven't been my pacific team this year maybe it's my fault yeah, why'd you jump off them? Well, the Devils and the Bruins will always be my Atlantic and Metro team that I watch the most. Um, the Central team I watch the most flips back and forth between the Wild and the Blackhawks. It's been the Blackhawks by far this season. And last year and the year before it was Edmonton, it's firmly been my guy Quinn and the Vancouver Canucks this year. I really haven't. I think I've missed one or two Canucks games this year. I mean, I'm locked into the Canucks, and it's just taken some screen time away from the Oilers. That's why um, we figured it out. But, I mean, I want the Oilers to be right there with the Canucks. Um, hello, Joey Parisi. You're on bar down because you decide to call me when I, we're live on air. I forgot it's Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, join the show, bro. Bye-bye. That's Joey Parisi live on air, former co-host of the podcast. I only answered it live because, like, how dumb is he? (laughs) I'm surprised he's not in here saying football. I mean, we're not talking football yet, so it doesn't fit his narrative. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
we will be talking football though. But yeah, I hope the Oilers get back to it. Um, uh, I, I'd rather watch the Canucks right now though. Yeah. So you jump ship on Canadian teams and then they start stink. So when you jump ships from Vancouver, then uh, the Canucks are going to stink. Absolutely. Um, should I send a link to Joey Parisi to join? He won't join. I know he won't. He barely even wanted to join via the call right there. He was like, oh, I forgot. I was hoping him to say like, yeah, go Bruins or something, but I didn't get the, uh, the attention that I deserved there from him. Uh, Travis says, I found myself watching a lot of Kings games lately. Um, the Kings rule. The Kings are absolutely unreal. Travis hit me up when the Kings play the, um, when the Kings play the Canucks. We'll message back and forth during that. I would like to. Um, Frank, the all-star game format has changed. Yep. Talk to me about it. Yeah, so the NHL will return to a player draft format. To determine the rosters for the 2024 NHL all-star game, the team captains will select squads from a pool of players chosen by the league and fans in an all-star, uh, in an NHL all-star Thursday draft on February 1st in Toronto, followed by the NHL All-Star Skills Competition the next night, and the All-Star game will be played on February 3rd. The NHL had to add a third day because of the player draft format. I used to love the player draft when they used to have it, right? Remember Ovi getting the car? He wanted to be the last one. I want to be last. Um, I'm excited they're bringing it back. We've never seen this format with the three-on-three. Um, so I'm excited about that. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm glad they're bringing it back. I loved when it was the whole weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, but um, this year it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I believe. I don't know. Or is it Thursday, Saturday? It's Thursday, Saturday. Friday, Saturday. Yeah. I liked it when it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You got the whole weekend. Um, it's weird they're doing it on the Thursday. But I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad they changed it. Uh, I don't know why they said like this was the year they felt like to change it, like it was right to change it this year. Like it would have been no different if you did it last year. Um, so I disagree with that statement that they made, but I'm excited. Looking forward to it. I look forward to the All-Star game no matter what, though. Me too. It was dry last year. I, I, I liked it. It was fine. It, you know, the skills competition used to be a little bit better. It's in Toronto. Okay, and I think Toronto, the Toronto's where the All-Star game originated, and I think it's going to be awesome to have the All-Star game back at the home of the Leafs. I'm sure they'll probably bring an extra Leaf than deserves to the All-Star game. Matthews will make it for sure. Nylander would deserve to make it, so would Matthews. Um, but, you know, it wouldn't shock me if they brought in a Marner or a Tavares or both. But, you know, it's, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to watch the draft. Um, I think it'd be fun if, like, if Quinn and Jack – were both captains and they got to pick against each other and play each other in the divisions. Or if they didn't make those guys captains and they were drafted to the same team, like that would be really, really cool. Yeah. Obviously the Kachucks bring a new element to it. Connor Bedard will be the Blackhawks representative for sure. I mean, I I'm just so excited to see how this thing gets drafted, how they're going to decide the captains. Each captain will have a co-captain that is in the form of a celebrity, which will be really, really cool. So will we see? Here comes you know, John Ham. I hate John Ham. <laughs> He's oh, coming back. John Ham screwed Jack Hughes out of the most creative breakaway challenge. I mean, it was just not even close. He picks Petrangelo because he likes him from his days with the Blues. John you can't just Hamm. pick a guy because you like him. I mean, I'm totally doing that with Jack Hughes, but at least I have a real argument. Everyone believed that either Hughes or Zegers deserved to win that. 
But, I mean, whatever. It's going to be so fun. And on the Thursday night, the best women of the world are going to play a three-on-three tournament or a three-on-three game as well. Oh, right as they, they get, they're getting ready to start the new league, the PWHL, I think it's yeah. called. We had Dan Rice on to talk about it the day after they announced it. Um, we'll have Dan Rice on to talk about that again soon. I want to get more of his devil's takes too, as we have some season to talk about now. But the, yeah, they're going to play that night after the draft. And in between that game, between the women and the draft, it goes draft, something women. The something is they're going to honor um, an NHL all-time alumni. So we'll see who it is that they pick. I'm I'm excited. So uh, there's a reason why it's on Thursday. Yeah, I've heard it's going to honor. I've heard it's going to honor um, a player or the team from the 1967 Toronto Maple Leafs, the most recent Leafs team to win the Stanley Cup. I point to the wrong direction every single time. It's it is like a it's like a 100% success rate. Of me pointing to the wrong side. The Toronto Maple Leafs, the last Toronto Maple Leafs team to win the Stanley Cup. Um, So it should be fun. There's going to be a lot of Leaf love. You know, on the Thursday, I'm going to wear something Leafs, I think. I really do. And then on Saturday and Sunday, I'm going to wear something Devils for sure. But it's going to be a very Leafy. Say what you want about the Leafs. You can hate them all you want. They are a very important team to the sport of hockey and a very awesome team in the history of Leafs stink. Hockey. So Leafs are awesome. Screw you. Um, excited about it, though. Should be a good time. Yeah. One last thing I wanted to chat about in terms of NHL. Capo Caco. He is going to be out for some significant time. But it did come out from Chris Johnson that um, it's not going to be season-ending, which if you watch the replay, it looked like a season-ending ACL type of injury. And it's not going to be the case. He is on LTIR, but LTIR could be a month. You know, it could be a couple weeks. Um, it's just not the 10 days. That's what the difference. Um, but hopefully Capo Caco comes back. Shester, uh, Igor Shesterkin, I almost called her just Shesterkin. Um, Igor Shesterkin, he's back after a long injury. And Adam Fox is about to return tonight against Detroit after a long injury. And the Rangers haven't really missed a beat without their Vesna caliber goaltender or their Norris Trophy caliber defenseman. What's your take on the Kako injury, getting these guys back, the New York Rangers as a whole? They've been one of the best teams in the league. And quite frankly, because I hate them and I write the sheet, I don't. we don't talk about the New York Rangers all that often on this show unless they're playing the Devils. But I, I, I don't hate any team. And I do, at the end of the day, love every team. Like, I love hockey so much, and I know New York needs a team. They are the Devils' biggest rival, so I crack my jokes. But the New York Rangers are a wonderful franchise. And, you know, it is better when they are good at the same time as the Devils. Yeah. Um, sucks that Capo Caco got injured. Obviously, you never want to see guys get injured. Um, however, he stunk this year, all year. He's only got two goals. Um, one assist. One assist. So he's got three points on the year. But like I said, you don't want to see people get injured. But I think the Rangers are going to be just fine without him. I mean, they have that luxury of being so deep right now and being so good. They have the best record in the NHL right now. Um, They have the better winning percentage. Um, I think the Knights passed them up in points by one because of their overtime loss to the Oilers. But the Rangers have the best record in the NHL because of their winning percentage. Um Rangers are just going to have to step it up in terms of their bottom six, right? Guys like Jimmy VC, Will Cauley, they're just going to have to put more time in to fill in the void and just step up. Their top six has been cooking. Artemi Panarin and Chris Kreider have been exceptional. I think the Rangers would like to see a lot more out of Vincent Trocek and Mika Zabinijad, 
but both have been pretty good too. Nothing to complain there. Blake Wheeler has been the biggest disappointment on the team so far this year, not really producing. He's on pace to have his worst year of his career so far. He's only got two goals, four assists so far this year. So despite the disappointing Capo Caco news, I think the Rangers are going to be just fine this year. I wish Capo uh, Caco a speedy recovery and successful recovery, but the Rangers are in good hands going forward. The Vegas Golden Knights have 32 points, and then the yep. Vancouver Canucks. Um, I forgot the Canucks won. The Vancouver Canucks, the Boston Bruins, and the New York Rangers all have 31. Yeah, but the Rangers, I think, out of all the teams, have the best winning percentage. Correct? Um, let's see. Vegas is 696, so that's certainly not first. Um, the Colorado Avalanche are 714. The Dallas Stars are 700. So the Stars even have a better winning percentage than um, the Golden Knights, but they played three less games. Um, the Rangers are 775. Yeah, I think that's the best in the NHL. It is the best in the NHL. Second is the Boston Bruins at 738. So, yeah, the Rangers, they got nothing to worry about. They got nothing to worry about. He'll recover successfully and things will be good. Yeah, and, you know, the Devils are going to go on their run that they're just starting now. Now that everybody's healthy, they're going to get Timo Meyer back. They'll probably be a lower seed in the playoffs because it's hard to make up 10 points in a season. Um, they're already 10 points behind the Rangers, but they are they have the third best winning percentage in the Metro. So I still think, you know, now that they're healthy, they treaded water while they were hurt and, you know, two-game winning streak. The Devils will smoke them in the playoffs as usual. So um it's gonna be awesome congrats to the rangers on all this regular season success that they're having i'm sure the president's trophy will do them well um frank it's time to move off hockey a little bit we've been talking hockey for a little over an a hour little hockey in period three. Yeah, there's a little hockey in period three there <laughs> certainly is um depending on your point of view there absolutely is hockey in point of period number three in my opinion um, but yeah, I love talking college hockey with James, obviously the NHL with you here in period two, we had a surprise phone call from Joey Parisi and he had no interest in being on whatsoever. But if you're listening and you want to call back, please do. Um, you know, certain people are always welcome on this show, but we are going to talk about Joey's favorite topic in period number three. This period number three, where we will talk football love football frank the chicago bears and the minnesota vikings played in my opinion (laughs) one of the single worst professional football games up there he is right in the chat right on cue it fits his narrative he called me and we were talking hockey and we still talked about hockey for 20 more minutes and there's hockey in here There is in period number three. But the Chicago Bears and Minnesota Vikings honestly might have played the single worst NFL game I've ever, ever, ever watched. It was disgusting. There was not a touchdown scored in the football game. The Bears won the game 12 to 9 thanks to a game. 12 10. 10. Did the Vikings have a touchdown? He did have a touchdown. The Bears won without scoring a touchdown. Um, just a disgusting, putrid game. I wish they lost. I hate that they won, personally. I'd rather I, They didn't move down a draft slot, but moving up a draft slot is going to be harder now. But they still have Carolina's first overall pick. This team sucks. The Bears got their first division win in two years. Two years, VP, it took. 
to get another division win. Matt Eberflus was not the coach the last nope. time they beat either the Packers, Vikings, or Lions. Travis said it was bad. It, it was, was bad. bad. The Bears couldn't even score a touchdown, and they got it done. Four field goals, and the Bears win 12-10. Teams that failed to score a touchdown this year were 0-28. They're the one in 1-28. One in we made fun of them for being, what was the last week? They were the one in Do you know they were in danger of doing it again? Yeah, what was it? They were plus three on the turnover margin. Yes. And yeah. had the ball for 40 or more minutes. And they were teams in NFL history were 0 and 48 in that situation. Do you and no, now, 48 no, or 48 right? no, yeah. they were 48 no in that situation. And the Bears made it 48 and one. Do you know they almost made it 48 and two? Well, they're the one in 48 and one, but now they're the one in one in 28. So this was the Bears. This was actually. I wish they won and beat with it. It was forty-eight and two back-to-back Bears weeks. Could you imagine? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, not scoring a touchdown and winning a game is like nearly impossible. This was the first time they did that since nineteen ninety-three. That's just like you got to score touchdowns to win game, but it's the Bears, and just like I say every week, VP. When you think you've seen it all with the Chicago Bears, they say, nope, I'm going to show you something you haven't seen in 30 years. Neither of us were born the last time the Bears won without scoring a touchdown. I mean, if I were the Minnesota Vikings, I don't know if I could show up to practice. I mean, this game was huge. I'd be embarrassed. This game was huge for the Vikings. They were right in it to potentially win the division by being two games behind the Lions, and they still have two games to go against the Lions in Week 16 and 18. Now the division's out of the question, and the playoffs aren't even a given. I mean, the Vikings and Bears both head into a bye this week, and that's just that's where we currently stand right now. It's like the Vikings need this bye badly. To like I, because like I said, I would I'd be embarrassed to show my face in the locker room and in practice, and and the Bears are on a bye and. They're four and what four and eight now. That kind of sucks. I was rooting for them to lose as well. Um, it did more bad than good for them with them winning. So. I have two responses to you. The Vikings suck too. Okay, they won a couple games. Josh Dobbs had some early. Josh Dobbs was a backup. Arizona Cardinals. You know, he, he's not a, like a starting quarterback at the yeah. NFL. You know, he's a fine backup. He's the kind of guy you want if your guy's dealing with like a finger issue and you need a yeah, guy right. to start for a week. And you might get a competitive uh, game out of your backup. That's Josh Dobbs. Right. The quarterback play in the NFL has been terrible this year. Just absolutely brutal. There's like nine guys that are backup starting games regularly. You got this guy in New York going, hey, I'm Tommy DeVito. Hey, how you doing? Let's go Giants. You know, it's just bad. The Bears won a game that sucked. If they would have, if Justin Fields would have looked like a maniac, and DJ Moore would have had three touchdown receptions. Well, they don't target and, him. And, uh, well, of course not, um, except for that last play of the game that got them in field goal range. It's like, hey, that's amazing what happens when you throw to Moore there, Matt and Luke. Um, they, If it was like a quality win where like consequential players of the future contributed to it, it would be awesome. Like, like oh, yeah. if, if the Hawks win a game, like I kind of would have hated if the Hawks beat the Leafs because of a Corey Dickinson hat trick and then like some idiot scored in overtime. But I love like they made up for it. The overtime game winner was Bedard making a sick play for um Korchinski to score. I like that. If Bedard has a hat trick and the Hawks win, great. That's awesome. If Dickinson has a hat trick or freaking 
you know, some guy who's not going to be on the team in a year has a hat trick and they win a meaning like then I hate it. And it was that was the type of game that the Bears won on Sun on Monday when they took on the Vikings, like three field goals. Really? When Cairo Santos came on the field, I was like, they they really are going to win this game because Santos doesn't miss. I, I, I love you, Travis. I'm going to disagree on this most recent take. I would rather an ugly win than a pretty loss. I would agree with that if they were competing. If they had a chance to win the division and make a run in the playoffs, I would agree with that. But I would rather a pretty loss when you're developing players and still hoping for a high draft pick this season. Like I, all I want to with Skokes. Yeah, I felt like a loss by 30, 100%. It was boring. It was just like terrible. I watched it, like, it on my laptop. It was like going 12 rounds with Mike Tyson. Yes. <laughs> it's just yes. like. And somehow. In, in a bad way. Yeah. In a bad way. Because normally people use that to like describe something good. Yeah. Like, oh, I just went 12 rounds with Mike Tyson. This is great. No, but it felt like I was beaten up for 12 rounds with Mike Tyson. Like, and he just didn't give out the knockout punch. No. He just, just he, so he wanted bad. you to suffer. He wanted you to suffer the entire 12 rounds. I hate this team. I love them. That's why I hate them. Um, Justin Fields, they started to pull me back in on the radio. Like, I fell for it. I fell for it. He Don't had an okay game. I had a whole uh, – uh, He's not they, a franchise QB. Yeah, but he had a good game against Detroit. They lost. Like, but he just fumbles so much. They don't move the ball. I would take – I would take Caleb Williams at one. I'm, I'm kind of off his train too. Well, his, all he's the, got a bad attitude, man. He does, a but all bad the – Bad attitude. All the scouts – that watch the practices and stuff that you don't see when USC plays. He's got like the tools of like Andrew Luck, according to them. What about I don't like Drake may. If you're taking Drake may, I, I would take Caleb Williams over Drake may. I know, but like, if you take Marvin Harrison jr. One and Drake may sitting there at four, then yeah, but I don't think he would make it to four. I don't think either guy makes it to four. I could see a world where Marvin Harrison, even though Marvin Harrison might be the best overall player in the draft. Sometimes those guys slips in favor of quarterbacks. And if teams one, two, and three all take quarterbacks, that leaves Marvin Harrison Jr. at four for the Bears. See, I agree with Travis. This is the problem here. He's just a prick. He's an absolute prick, VP. There's nothing to say. Like what why is that a problem? Jay Cutler was a prick too. But you don't want you don't want that in the locker room, right? Like I, I could respect it people. what kind of a prick. I, I could respect people that are like got the little attitude, right? But it, it comes a point where you just do it all the time. It just gets old and it's like, do you want that in the locker room? Because then it like takes over. It's like you're not just a prick in certain situations. You're just now you're just a prick all the time. And he hasn't he hasn't proven anything yet either. He will be. Do, all right. Let me ask you a question. He will be drafted this year, correct? In the top one. Okay. Two. Well, he was asked today um, about the draft. Like, oh, are you going to be in the draft? Like, are you going to opt into the NFL draft? And he's like, I don't know. It's a game time decision. Like, just like that. Like, you know, you're going to be drafted. Like, just don't be an ass about it. You know, he's not it. He's not going to not declare for the draft, pass up on $7 million right. and go back to USC next year. So just don't like that response was just like a dick response. Yeah, it's a game time decision. Like, come on. 
Yeah. There's, well, there's other ways to go about it. I don't know, VP. I'm not the only one. I'm glad. I know you're know. not the only one. I know yeah, you're not the only one. The... I'll be fucking pissed though if they pass on him and he goes to another team and he's a superstar. And yeah. it, all the signs pointed to him being a superstar on the field. All the signs pointed to him being a superstar, and they passed on him. And he's on the Cardinals now, and he's a two-time MVP, two appearances in the Super Bowl. You know, I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes all over again, but like close. I uh, that world exists, and no Chicago Bears fan is going to tell me that that world doesn't exist. They're just not going to do it. Whatever the Bears do is wrong always. So if they take Caleb Williams, he's going to go to freaking you know New England. And, you know, something, Arizona, whoever it is that took him, and dominate. If he comes to the Bears, he's going to suck. So, honestly, I don't know what to think. The Chicago Bears often get it wrong, seldom get it right. Um, I just want Marvin Harrison Jr. I absolutely, I yeah. I so, if now, you think if you think the top three are going to take quarterbacks and Harrison Jr. is going to be, but there's always the possibility of a trade, Frank. What if the Arizona Cardinals, they decide, oh, Kyler Murray, which Kyler Murray has looked okay yeah. so far since coming back. They're like, okay, we already paid him a lot. We are going to, we are going to keep him and we'll either take Marvin Harrison Jr. ourselves or trade the pick to somebody who wants Marvin Harrison Jr. Who could desperate, what contender could desperately use Marvin Harrison Jr. right now? Uh, would the Kansas City Chiefs give up their next three first round picks to move up to four and or to three and take Marvin Harrison Jr.? Maybe. Would a team like Jackson, no, I don't think Jacksonville really needs a receiver. Uh, uh, Baltimore, you know, they're not a team, they have a couple really good receivers, but like, could a Marvin Harrison Jr. look good on that team? Yeah, now the teams that are competing for the Super Bowl, I don't know if they necessarily trade up into the top five. It's not something that happens historically, but I don't know, man. This draft is going to be so interesting. Another thing, if Justin Fields comes back next year, you're he's getting a very, 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 very large contract just by the nature of being a 10th overall pick. And those guys, when they play, they get these significant pay increases. Or you could reset your rookie contract clock and draft a guy like Mayor Williams. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Williams is better overall. You just don't want to have problems in the organization down the line. Then you're really screwed. Yeah, I would hate to have two coaches fired midseason for not football-related stuff. And you know, a uh, coach that doesn't know what the hell he's doing at the podium, that would really suck. And I think, like that. I think you could build a winning organization around Drake May. I'm being sarcastic. Those things are happening to the Bears right now. No, I know, but I'm just saying. So, like, it already does suck. But it could get worse. It could get worse. Like, you'd hate to draft Williams and then something comes out about him or he does something stupid because he is so hot-headed, and then you don't have a quarterback. You wasted your first-round pick. <laughs> Yeah, I also, a personality like Caleb Williams might not do well on a shitty organization like the Chicago Bears. Right. Where if he went to New England. I was going to say, like, New England. If he, I yeah. Was say. Like, if he went there, hey, we do things the Patriot way here. Exactly. You a little know. snobby. Yeah, it is snobby, but it's accurate. The reason, the, like... the, reason the Patriots suck is because Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi suck. The roster is not terrible. You can't win without quarterbacks. Yeah, you can't win without quarterbacks in the end. The Bears roster is not 
terrible. They're better than they were last year. Yeah, 100%. just Justin Fields just sucks. That's why he's got to go VP. He's got, and I was so oh, high yeah. on Justin Fields. I gave him all. The, I gave him many chances. Multiple yeah, I jumped off the wagon about a month before you, but um, I. I don't know why I did that. I was looking to see if like this piece of paper fit there, but it like blocked the camera. Just dumb move on my part. Um, I, yeah, the bears, they're better than last year, but you jumped off the wagon a little later than me, but I knew you'd see the light eventually, you know, when, how many half times do they have to only have three points for people to realize they don't (laughs) score? I mean, what? You should have three points a drive. If you're like a winning team. Not not every drive doesn't result in a punt or a field goal attempt, but you know, I don't know, man. I don't know. The Bears suck. Frank, I think it's time we get to the segment that everybody's been waiting for. It's time that we rip off our top ten NFL teams power rankings according to Vin and Frank. You ready yep. for it? I think so. Is there a team on yours that wasn't on it at any point yet this season? Two. Ooh, two. Ooh, if you put the one that I put, I will laugh so hard. I will laugh so hard. Please, it will be one of yours. Yeah, well, I don't know why it's going to be funny. Uh, it is going to be funny. Why? Um, It's for sure the one we're thinking of. Go ahead. You're number 10. But it might not be our number 10. Okay. My number 10, I got the Pittsburgh Steelers. A new familiar face in the top 10 this time around. The only reason I got him here is because, you know, after firing Matt Canada, the Steelers had a 400-yard game on offense. First time this happened since 2020 for them. Don't get me wrong. The offense still has a lot of work to do. I don't trust Kenny Pickett. He looks clueless out there at times. But they're 7-4. and four. They're Maybe firing Matt Canada is going to help the offense and prove good things ahead for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This team just finds ways to win in the most unlikeliest of times. With the 7-4 and four record, that big win you pull out, Big win, or you also had a big win mentally on offense. I bumped them into the top 10. So I got the Steelers at 10. At number 10, I have the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos look now like the team I thought they would be last year. You insert an all-time great quarterback onto a great roster, and this is what can happen. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl like Matthew Stafford or Tom Brady did with their new teams that had stacked rosters but needed a quarterback. Um, Nathaniel Hackett was truly terrible with the Denver Broncos last year, and it goes to show a guy like Sean Payton. It took a couple games. They started one and three, um, but you know they've now won five in a row. They are really in the thick of the playoff race in the AFC. And when I was looking at all the teams that were six and five, because every team I have ranked higher than them have a record better than six and five. There are nine teams with a better record than six and five. There are a bunch of teams that are six and five. I picked Denver because of the fact that they're on a five game winning streak and their most recent win is a team that I was going to rank. I was putting the winner of this game at 10. I really, really was. And the Buffalo Bills blew it. That's the team they are this year. They're 6-6, six and six, the Denver Broncos at 10. At number 9, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers. I really think the Steelers are a good football team. They have a solid defense. They have, they've done what good teams do, and that's find a way to win a football game. As our friend, friend of the program, David Kaplan, says, 
you wake up in the morning, you have a cup of coffee, and you find a way to win a football game. That's what the Pittsburgh Steelers have done more often than not so far this season. I love that they had their first 400-yard game since before Matt Canada got there. You might be out on Kenny Pickett. I was out on Kenny Pickett. And then I was like, was Matt Canada the problem? Because he had his best game as a pro in their most recent game, a win. So the Steelers... They're in the best division. I had to bump the Bengals out of the top 10. It was painful. I didn't want to do it, but without Joe Burrow, they're not a top 10 team, and if it shows, um, I have the Steelers at nine, though, and I'm happy with it. You know, the thing about I, I really like Kenny Pickett as a person, too. I want to like him as a football player, but maybe they'll change my mind. Maybe a few more games with Matt Canada not as the the coordinator, the offensive coordinator. Maybe, uh, maybe it'll change my mind on Kenny Pickett. Yeah, but. I feel the same way. My number nine is the Denver Broncos, VP. There it is. I knew it was coming. The Broncos. The Broncos are the hottest team in the NFL right now. After starting one and five, they've won five in a row. They're six and five. They're in a hunt for a playoff spot. And if they keep playing like the way they have been, they very might well achieve that goal. I mean, during their five-game win streak, they've scored wins against the Chiefs, the Bills, the Browns. They carved up the Browns defense, beat them 29 to 12, which the Browns have the best defense in the NFL statistically. The Broncos are coming and the road ahead isn't too scary, VP. I would have I would have never guessed I would have had the Broncos on my power rankings, but after week 12 here we are. Broncos at 9. Number 8, I got the Detroit Lions. Lions are moving in the wrong direction on my power ranking. They almost lost to the Bears, which is a situation they can't afford to be in, and they laid an egg against the Packers. The Lions have a very easy schedule to close out the rest of the year, and because of that, they should have the division locked up, obviously. A division winner has my respect, but I don't know how far they'll make it come postseason. Nonetheless, Lions are 8-3 and three and one of the strongest teams in the NFC, which really doesn't say a whole lot, but Lions at number 8. At number eight, I have the Cleveland Browns. Tough loss, close loss, and not really a close loss. But, I mean, they're going to lose games. It's not a perfect situation. They're obviously without Deshaun Watson, which makes things tough. But I look at their defense, and I'm like, this defense, they can win enough games to be a playoff team. You know, a lower-end top 10 team in the NFL. Um, they really, Deshaun Watson wasn't even really all that good for him anyway. So, you know, it, it's a lot to do with their defense. It's one, it might be the best in the NFL. And I, I just have a hard time leave because I thought about putting them off, but I'm like, no, I, I still think I would take them over the Steelers and the Broncos in a playoff game, um, because of their defense and where the Steelers and Broncos have struggled, you know, during their struggles has been offense. And I think a team like the Browns could shock a team like that in a postseason game, but you know, I, I I hate that they gave Deshaun Watson all that money because I'd love to see them make a change at quarterback and bring somebody in that's a veteran that could help kind of do the Russell Wilson or the Matthew Stafford type deal for the Browns. Um, but, you know, they just I, – I couldn't leave the top te- the top defense in the league off the top ten in general, so I have them at number eight. At number seven, I have the Dallas Cowboys returning to my power ranking. Um, the Dallas Cowboys, listen, I can't just keep leaving them off the top ten despite them picking up wins. Like, if I would have left them off my top ten, a team with three fewer wins would have been on instead of them. Like, it would have been the Bills or uh, – who, who else did I say had a chance? No, it would have been the Bills. They they would have been the team that came in over the Cowboys like or like or the Browns but like the Cowboys they don't really beat great teams they kill every team they're supposed to kill but most teams don't do that you know who doesn't do that the Eagles 
right? You know, like we're going to both probably have them in a very similar spot. They don't kill every team. They, they, they win. They're the best, you know, I still think they're probably the favorite in the NFC, but like the Cowboys, they kill everyone that they're supposed to. They lose to teams that, you know, they're pretty even with in terms of roster. So that's why they're in the lower end of my top 10. But I mean, they have good corners. They have good linebackers. Dak Prescott, he makes plays, you know, in January or in December, November, October, when it's the regular season in the playoffs that he and they usually crumble. But, you know, they're going to go into the postseason believing they have a chance again. And so I have them at seven. Interesting. Number seven, I got the Jacksonville Jaguars. Remember when the Jaguars started out one and two? Now look at them, VP. They are on the verge of having one of the best records in the NFL this season. They dominated the tight or they dominated the Titans. The Titans? Yeah, the Titans. They dominate for some reason. I was thinking Texan. I'm like, they didn't dominate the Texans. But yeah, they dominated the Titans a couple weeks ago. And they had a thrilling win against the Texans this past past week. The Texans are a team that dominate the Jaguars each game that they play. And Trevor Lawrence hasn't had success against them at all, really, in his career. And it was such a big game for the division, and Trevor Lawrence came through. That says a lot, not only about this team, but about Trevor Lawrence. Don't take the Jaguars lightly. I got them at number seven. My number six, I got the Dallas Cowboys. They've slowly been creeping up my power rankings over the course of the year. And this is the highest that they've been on my list. And that says a lot for me, having them this high. The Cowboys have been dominating games, and most of their wins come in a dominating blowout fashion. There's only one big problem, VP. You take a look at every win they have this season, and none of them are quote-unquote big wins. They don't have big wins. Their two chances to score big wins against the 49ers and the Eagles lost both those games. They can't get it done against top teams in the NFL, which is why I'm hesitant, but I got him at six because of their dominating fashion against everybody else. And if they could fix that come playoffs and they could still be dominant on offense, then maybe things will change. Respectively, got him at six. They got three massive games in the coming weeks. It should be interesting to see where they fall on my ranking in the weeks to come. Cowboys at six. For sure. At number six, I have the Detroit Lions. Um, I wanted to put them higher. Uh, they lost to Green Bay on Thanksgiving. And they almost lost to the Bears the week before. I mean, they are trending downward. Um, I still think they have a really good roster, and I love the coach. And Jared Goff has had an outstanding year. Sometimes division games are hard, and you needed a comeback win against the Bears, who have kind of had your number even when the Bears were bad. And then, you know, here we are this year. The Bears are a little bit more improved, but they're not they're not good by any means. And the Lions, they're they're still scary to me, even though they lost to Green Bay. Jordan Love and the Packers have been really good lately, too. You know, we we poo-pooed them. You know, if we were to do a top 32 power ranking, where would you put the Packers? Probably like 20. You know, where early in the season it might have been like 24, 25. Like they they've been on the come up lately. Um, so you know, maybe we'll do that at the end of the season. We'll rank them. We'll rank them one through thirty-two. That'd be kind of funny. I think I I think I'd be able to do it. Um, with a pretty sound, solid opinion on each argument, but, um, yeah, so I have the lions at six. I do think I could see them winning a game at home in the playoffs. I don't see them getting through the two Titans that exist in the NFC. We'll touch on them in a minute, but it's just, I don't, I don't really see, you know, it's a good progression year for them. Could I see them winning a super bowl in this era? Yeah, I actually could. I know that sounds crazy, but like I low key could, 
I'm not sure if Jared Goff is going to be the quarterback through it all, but Jared Goff, he did hold a lead in a Super Bowl in the fourth quarter. And very few quarterbacks ever can say something like that. So, you know, the Patriots needed that miraculous drive where they hit Gronk in the end zone to get it done against Goff. I think I've brought that up on the show a couple times this season when talking about the Lions with Goff, but, you know, it kind of is what it is. At number five, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, they're, they just keep chugging along. What are they? Nine and three now, eight and three, you know, eight and three, eight and and they got a big win against a good Texans team who just barely missed my top 10 too. um, a big win over a Texans team that CJ Stroud is making plays. He's probably going to be the offensive rookie of the year. They're on the come up. They, they had to, you know, play from behind a little bit in that game. It wasn't an easy game. It was a very playoff-y type game, and the Jacksonville Jaguars found a way to come out on top. And they didn't clinch the division by any means, but getting back to a two-game lead in the division I think is huge for them because if they would have lost, they would find themselves in a wild-card spot this morning. Um, the Texans would have passed them. They would both be 7-4, and four, but the Texans would have had the tiebreaker. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a good thing that they were able to get this win. I have them at number five to round out my teams that are contenders, but I think the top four are like legit Super Bowl threats. Wow. Very interesting. Number five, I got the Miami Dolphins. I don't have a ton to say about the Dolphins. They did pick up two wins over the past two weeks since our last power rankings. They weren't overly impressive wins. They're against teams that they should beat, given the team that they are. Um they're, but nonetheless, they're fairly dominating wins. Dolphins have a realistic chance to win the number one seed in the AFC. You have a talented roster with Mostert, Waddle, Hill. I mean, I wouldn't sleep on them despite their lackluster wins against big opponents this season and their kind of downswing in defense. But, you know, I wouldn't sleep on the Dolphins. You just never know with two uh, uh, under quarterback. But they're my number five. My number four, San Francisco 49ers. They're jumping up back uh, back into the top five. After losing three games in a row this season, the 49ers have a little three-game winning streak of their own. It seems like the offense is back clicking. Seems like Brock Purdy's back in a good mindset. Their defense has been on fire. In the past three games, they've only allowed 30 points, which is incredible. And honestly, I think the three-game losing streak they had in the middle of the year was the best thing that could have happened for Brock Purdy and the 49ers. No one goes undefeated in their career. And now no one has to mention every week about the winning streak and Brock Purdy quarterbacking every week. Brock Purdy's never lost a game since he's been under quarterback. It's just one less thing off your mind. You don't have to worry about it. They're rolling right now. I got the 49ers at four. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. I like that pick. I have the Chiefs at four. The Kansas City Chiefs are amongst the best teams in the NFL. I don't love the receiving core, but it seems like Rasheed Rice is kind of taking or did I say his name right? Rasheed Rice? Is it Rasheed? No, it's Rasheed Rice. It's Rasheed it's Rasheed Rice. I just wanted to make sure I was saying his name correctly. Um he's kind of turning into the number 1, I would say on the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and him are having some chemistry now. Kelsey's going a little bit lately. Um, you know, when you have Mahomes, I st- I think you're a Super Bowl contender right off the bat. This is one of the best defenses in the NFL. I think I'd probably put it second to the Browns. It's the best defense Mahomes has ever had. So if he could find a way to score some points in the playoffs, I absolutely could see them winning the Super Bowl um, or at least getting to the Super Bowl. We'll see. 
I, I think I would pick them against anyone, the, the, except for maybe the team I have ranked ahead of them in the AFC. But I, I, you know, I think the world of the Chiefs, their defense is awesome, and they have the best quarterback in the world. At number three, I have those San Francisco 49ers. I was questioning them after the three-game losing streak. It was a, a fork in the road. Sometimes that happens to sports teams. You're right. Brock Purdy has lost the game now. Um, he's lost a couple. The 49ers have lost since trading for tri Christian McCaffrey. All those narratives that probably put some unnecessary, unwarranted pressure on them um, is finally, you know, it's done. And that's a good thing, I think, for them. They they have moved on and they're on to winning and going for the playoffs. So that's obviously the most important thing for them. They're going to be a wagon once the postseason rolls around. And one thing I do know for a fact, I heard some people that played for the 49ers last year say this to McAfee. So it's literally coming straight from the source. They won't even talk about the NFC championship game from last year. <laughs> they won't even talk about it wow. because they, they hate that Purdy got four passes into the game and they were on their third string by the end of it. So it's tough. It's it's bad. But I think it also could be good if they come out in this postseason and win. I'm I'm having a hard time betting against it. Very good. Number three for me, Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs' inability to score points in the second half is what's really dropping them from two to three on my ranking. Um, a win against the Eagles would have been huge for them, but they couldn't get it done, and that was the Super Bowl rematch. Um, they got a 17-point victory over the Raiders, which was nice, but everyone beats the Raiders. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, this team is weird, man. This is a very weird Chiefs team. But, you know, nonetheless, they get wins to keep them in the hunt for the best record in the AFC. They get it done when Patrick Mahomes needs to be clutch. He gets it done. I mean, we haven't seen it a ton consistently all year there have been some letdown spots where Mahomes haven't come in clutch but he's human that happens I still think in a pressure situation when playoffs are on the line or they need you know a win to win their division or some some big win of that nature comes along he gets it done which is why I have the Kansas City Chiefs at three and you know if he gets in the playoffs anything can happen with them but I don't see them winning the Super Bowl this year but we'll see Chiefs at three number two I got the Baltimore Ravens. The thing about the Baltimore Ravens that makes this team so scary is, first off, they have a top three defense in the NFL. Their defense is incredible. Not only that, their offense is elite, and they have yet to get to the fourth quarter where they have not been winning the game. Let that sink in. We're through. We're going to week 13, and they've yet to start the fourth quarter being tied or losing which is unbelievable. They have led every game going into the fourth quarter. They have the best record in the AFC, and it almost seems near impossible to stop Lamar Jackson and company right now. Watch out for the Ravens, man. They were one of my sleepers before the season. I don't know if I pictured them being this good, but they're like this good because they, theoretically they could be 10-1 and or 11-0. and Ravens too. We have, we have it flipped. I have the um, Raven or the Eagles at number two, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I think the world of them, they beat the Chiefs, big win. Kelsey, Jason Kelsey finally got his first career win against his brother. But I mean, when, when they become like third and or fourth and one or fourth and goal, like anything uh, like that where they need one yard, 
they run the tush push and it has a success rate of like 94%. I mean, it is literally unbelievable how efficient they are. And I, I always say they want to outlaw it. I think that's the stupidest thing ever because no other team in the league can do it the way they can. Um, like the Bears would attempt it and Cody Whitehair would fumble or something, or Justin Fields would fumble, or uh, Herbert or whoever the running back is in that game would push him in the wrong direction. Like Eberflus would tell him to zig when they're supposed to zag. The, it doesn't succeed without Kelsey, first and foremost, the greatest center who ever lived. Um, so I got the Eagles at two. They have Hall of Famers all over the place. It's a really well-rounded team. I like their defense. I think A.J. Brown's connection with um, Jalen Hurts is about as unmatched as any wide receiver quarterback duo in the NFL. Um, you think the 49ers got weapons all over the place? The Eagles are pretty equal with them in that area. And then at number one, I do have the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Ravens. They finally have good receivers. Lamar Jackson, I've never seen teams have a hard time game prepping for an offense more than the Baltimore Ravens' current offense right now. I mean, when they play a team for the first time ever with Lamar Jackson, they smoke them. And, like, I think he's undefeated in his career against NFC teams because that means he's part, either played them once or zero times. You know, they don't have much film or, like, experience playing against a guy like that. You know, teams like the Steelers, there's uh, – the Bengals, the Browns, they're going to give them a little bit harder of a time because they played against them so many times. Miles Garrett knows what it's like to have Lamar Jackson on the other side, uh, but somebody like, you know, I don't know, Aaron Donald maybe, let's say. They, they don't know him quite as well. Right. So, you know, or Joey Bosa. I would love to see Joey – or not Joey. I would love to see Nick – is Nick's the one on the 49ers? Yeah. I, I would like to see Nick Bosa versus Lamar Jackson in the Super Bowl. Like that would just be unbelievable. Or if this Hutchinson guy on Detroit, if he got to match up against Lamar, well, I think Baltimore would kill the Lions in the Super Bowl. But you know, I, they just have weapons all over the place. Their defense is wonderful. Playmakers all over the place. A good coach. Um, obviously, John Harbaugh. He's won a Super Bowl before. Um, and maybe he wants to win one for his brother Jim this year, who's been dealing with some shit at Michigan. But um, yeah, I think the Ravens are unreal, and they round out my top ten. No Dolphins for me. Sorry. Interesting. Yeah, I noticed that. I kind of figured when he got to the top like five, and they weren't there. I'm like, these they're not in their top five. So, um, but yeah, you guessed it. I got the Eagles at one. Since the last time we did our power rankings, the Eagles have beaten the Chiefs and Bills, both in thrillers. I mean, Jalen Hurts had two rushing touchdowns three passing touchdowns in this past game against the Bills. Five touchdowns. I mean, he gets it done when he needs to, and the Eagles, they're never out of games. They have the best record in the NFL at 10-1. and one. I say this every week about the Eagles, or not every week, but every week we talk about the Eagles, but they do so well in the short game that they're nearly unbeatable. I mean, until the teams learn how to stop the Eagles when they need like two or less yards to go, they can't be stopped. I mean, think about it this way. Every drive that they have is basically first and nine because of the tush push. So, I mean, that's just you have an advantage over every team. Their record shows it. They remain number one for me, and they will until they really show signs that they could be stopped. Absolutely. I like your picks. I like your picks. We got a good top ten. We have nine of ten. By the end of the year, we did predict we will have ten of ten. Um, you no, don't... we have eight of ten. We have eight of ten. You have the Dolphins and who that I don't? I don't have the the Browns. Yeah. But I thought there was another one, no? No. 
I have the Dolphins instead of the or oh. I have the Browns instead of the Dolphins. Yeah, nine to ten, I guess. I have the Browns instead of the Dolphins. You have the Dolphins instead of the Browns. But yeah. you you have yeah. the Ravens, Eagles, 49ers, Chiefs, Cowboys, Steelers, yeah. Broncos. Yeah. Yeah. Nine out of ten. Yeah, you're right. Oh, Jags. I forgot to say the Jags. Jaguars, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll see how it goes throughout. Uh, your list is good though. Like the Dolphins, the Dolphins, Bills, and Texans are fighting for, you know, uh, with the Broncos. If and the Steelers. Bills would have got that that win on the road, they would have been I would have like put them. I would have put them too. Yeah. I would have put him too. Uh, he had 60 fantasy points for me, did Josh Allen. He was so good. Yeah, it was amazing. I, the fact that. He's the best fantasy quarterback, and it's not even close because, like, even when they suck, he gets so many points. Yeah, it, it's amazing to me, too, because, like, Jalen Hurts gets, like, a billion touchdowns a game between the tush push and passing and all that. But. He got me over 40 in guillotine. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Are you and Dylan still alive in that? No, Dylan got chopped. Dylan got chopped? I'm in the Why final. I'm in the final six, though. Dylan got chopped. Why didn't anyone tell me? You guys stink. Uh, I don't know. Speaking of bad opinions, let's talk about college football. <laughs> uh, um, it was a close game between Michigan and Ohio State in the game. Um, yep. you're you're gonna bring up that Kyle McCord had like a game losing he interception. He stinks. He, he was good in the game though. I don't care. He, he No, he doesn't. He doesn't stink. He's a he good stinks. college. He's, he's not a guy who's not an NFL quarterback. Doesn't mean they. When stink you play college. Michigan State at three and seven, I expect you to be a good college quarterback. But he was good against Michigan in the game. Except he threw a couple picks. He he did, but like in was JJ moment. was JJ McCarthy like significantly better? He's gonna be a top he's first better. round pick. He's, he's better. better. He's like, better. He he didn't dominate the he didn't dominate compared to McCord in the game though. He didn't. There was no world in my head Ohio State wins that game. Well, it was close. And but another thing that they didn't came even to cover. No, they did not cover. Yeah. Um, but they did fall out of the top college football playoff ranking. Obviously, the committee announced that it was one Georgia, two Michigan, three Washington, four Florida State, five Oregon, six Ohio State, seven Texas, eight Alabama. I'm stopping at Alabama at eight because those are the eight teams that I believe have a chance to make the playoffs. I think Ohio State's cooked, though, because they're not playing on Saturday. Yeah, Ohio State is cooked. Um, the top four who currently you tried the- to tell me they weren't i didn't know they weren't playing next week if i told you the winner of that game goes to the big 10 championship to play iowa i forgot that it's by divisions i thought it, they were playing again i forgot that the big 10's broken up into the east and the west yeah because not every division's like that, or every conference is not like so that. So if Michigan loses, the Big Ten just won't send anybody to the Right, so I, I didn't realize. Like, I thought, I don't know. But Michigan's going to blast Iowa. Oh, yeah, 100%. Although, Iowa's 10-2. and two. They won four in a row. Because they got a great defense, but I think yeah. Michigan carves up that defense. Yeah. But we'll see. The top four teams right now. Are all twelve and zero, so they have they're rightfully deserved to be there, right? I think if Oregon wins, they have to get VP. They have to get into a playoff spot, no matter what. At number five, you can't beat the third best team ranked and not move up. Somebody can't jump you. I believe their one loss came yeah, if, to Washington. If Oregon wins, they're a lock. I know, but you said we'll see. Yeah, because like we'll see to if they win. You. I mean, 
They're I, nine said, and a half I said, we'll see. Go back and look at your text message. Reading is hard. You said when Oregon beats Washington. That's what I'm saying we'll see to. Your absolute undenying confidence that when Oregon beats Washington. That's when what Oregon, I said. Yeah, Oregon that's what I'm saying we'll see to. If you said if Oregon beats Washington, I would no. not have said we'll see. No, you said, I said when Oregon beats Washington, Oregon will jump to number four. You put the laughing faces. Yeah. And then I said no. And, and you said, what? You said it depends how everything else goes, in my opinion. Well, it doesn't depend how everything else goes because if they win, they're in. I put the laughing emojis at you saying when. I Thinking, mean, or, uh, proclaiming, on... proclaiming that Oregon already won is blasphemy. It is I mean, pure Frankie the Bean Mueller blasphemy. I be, I mean, they're nine and a half point favorites. I, I don't know. How I, they're think nine... they're I think they're going to win, too. I mean, Bo but Nix I'm not a, I'm not I saying have, when they win. I have not been high up on Washington this whole year. And you think I'm going to turn my back now when they're no. playing Oregon? No, Certainly Bo Nix is insane. So Bo Nix is fine. Insane. Bo Nix is going to lead Oregon into the college football playoff. Um, They probably like here's another thing, too. I don't see. I I don't I don't trust Florida State. We had that conversation about the backup quarterback. He didn't look great. He looked terrible. VP oh, Tate know. Tate Roadmaker Rod Roadmaker whatever. He didn't even complete fifty percent of his passes. How do you put a team like that into the college football playoff? They get shelled to Georgia. They get shelled to Michigan. I think they get shelled to just about anybody they play. You can't compete complete 50% of your passes. How are they in? So it gets interesting here, right? Because I think actually, I honestly think Florida State gets shelled to Texas, Alabama, any team in the top eight. How what two teams jump up? Oregon gets in if they beat Washington. But who takes and you think Washington wouldn't stay in the top four then, right? So what's the other team that gets in? Is it Alabama? But if Alabama loses to Georgia, who gets in? If Alabama – okay, give me a scenario. Like or Oregon beats Washington, Oregon's in, right? At yeah. three probably. Yeah. Florida State's still four at the time being. Yeah. But who takes Florida State's spot? If Does they, Florida State play this week? If they beat Louisville in the ACC championship, they're in. Sorry. That's insane. That's insane. Because it's this big debate. And, like, Kirk Herbstreit went on TV and argued it. Do we want the four most deserving teams or do we want the four best teams? I want the four best and entertaining teams. Florida State getting in at four. Then there's no Then there's no point to playing the regular season. We should just put Florida, Alabama, or we should put Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. You want to see Georgia beat Florida State by 40 with the backup. I don't want to see that. But if Florida State is the ACC champions and they're 13-0, and 0, they I should guess. be in the playoff. Listen, I, I disagree I, with Kirk Herbstreet. If I you want the four best, saying. skip the regular season and let's have the college football playoff with Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, well, no. and Alabama. You Those are the four the, best teams on you, paper. You play the regular season because you don't know who's going to get injured. We didn't know Jordan Travis would get injured, right? So that's why you play the regular season. Now it's like, all right, we want you out now. You choke. <laughs> I, mean, I, I get what you're saying. I really do. It's going to be a shit show. 
the it, committee. I hate the committee as it is. Well, everyone does. The committee always does things to benefit TV ratings. I mark my words. If then, if anything, VP. Well, then Florida State makes it for sure. Well, no, then Florida State makes it as at three. Florida State is like wildly popular. I understand that, which is why if they make it, they make it at three or nothing less. They don't make it at four. Impossible. Mark these words down. Clip it. I'd be stunned. They either make it at three or they miss because it would be a little more entertaining, I guess, to play Michigan. But they're going to get the wheels blown off them if they played Georgia. So it just it wouldn't get ratings. If the current teams in the top four win their championship this weekend, that is the top four. I agree. Un- undoubtedly. I, I do agree. think there will be at least one change. But I, I think Florida State moves to three then, right? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, there, no, there's, no, there's, no. There's no way that Florida State could stay at four. No, they keep Florida State at four if Washington wins. Who's six? Ohio State? Yeah, Ohio they State, can't. they're cooked. What about Texas? If Texas... Texas is the only way they play Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship. Oklahoma State is 19. If tech, the only way Texas gets in, in my opinion, they need Florida State and Washington. No. Yeah. No. I think, I think Texas is rooting for Washington. Get Oregon out of here if you're Texas. Yes. You, if you're, if you're, I don't think so. Why? If Oregon and Texas wins, Washington and Florida State both come out. I could see. Let me think about this for a second. Yeah, I guess that is possible. But the committee loves money and ratings. There's no way Florida State gets in at four. There's no way. It doesn't. What what difference does it make if they're four or three, Frank? The team you play. You're telling me Georgia's. And Michigan are the same team? No, but they both destroy Florida State in a playoff game. Yeah. But you'd have Georgia versus, like, Oregon or something. Way better ratings. And you'd have a little bit better chance against Michigan. George- Oregon Oregon is sneaky good for ratings, too. Right, which is why you want them against Georgia. I really think the only team that's kind of bad for ratings in the top eight is Washington. You don't want Oregon-Michigan. That's boring. I don't agree. No. Oregon, Michigan is a top quality NCAA football matchup. Yeah, maybe in the national championship. I'm telling you what, Frank, the only team that would destroy ratings is Washington. That's the only Washington's gonna be out of there. I don't see them beating Oregon. The other the other top eight, everyone in the top eight except for Washington is in this conversation every year. They are what they call college football blue bloods. You think of college basketball blue bloods? Duke, (laughs) Kansas. North Carolina, um, Indiana, Gonzaga. Gonzaga, Kentucky. You think of college hockey blue bloods, North Dakota, Minnesota, Boston College, Boston University. In football, you basically have the eight biggest blue bloods. The only big blue blood that's not in the top eight, LSU, Oklahoma. What about Clemson? Clemson, kind of. You, you, you missed the era where Clemson was a nobody, though. When I was in high school and college, nobody cared. It wasn't until freaking they got Deshaun Watson that people started paying attention to Clemson. They came out of nowhere when they got Dabo Sweeney. But I don't know, dude. I I have a feeling, I have this weird feeling that Alabama beats Georgia 
and two SEC teams make it. If Alabama beats Georgia, that means Michigan ends up being one. Yes. And Georgia ends up being two. No. Three? Four. Really? If either four Alabama's gonna jump over them that much? They they yeah, if they need help, they need help, yeah, but yeah. I think they would consider that a significant win. If Alabama, Al, the the committee is praying for Georgia to win, to make their life easy. But college football is probably playing, praying for Alabama to win based on the hopes that the committee would put two SEC teams. The only team out of the top eight, Ohio State is the only one not playing. Um, so they're out. Oregon or the winner of Oregon Washington is in, and they'll probably be either three or four. Florida State um, needs to win to get in. So does Washington and Oregon. If Florida State wins, they go to three. If Oregon wins, they go to four. Matchup set. As long as Georgia beats Alabama. Yeah, and Michigan beats set. Iowa. Then it would be Georgia, Michigan, um, Florida State, and Oregon. That's I have kind a, of my prediction. I have a bad feeling about Michigan, too. I really do. I don't think I can't see. It's like the Ohio State. I can't see a world where Iowa wins that game. This is the last time, and Iowa is using this to their advantage. They're using two things to their advantage. Nobody expects them to win, and sometimes teams like that. And this is probably the last time they'll be in the Big Ten championship for a long time because I'm pretty sure they're switching to the other side. I don't know. They're going to have to like beat Ohio State and Michigan to get to the Big Ten Championship at all. Yeah, I, I mean, I still think Michigan wins. I do too, but I, just, I have a bad feeling about it. I, I do. think Georgia wins. But Alabama could upset them. I wouldn't be super stunned, but... If Alabama would have killed Auburn in the Iron Bowl, I'd have a little more faith. They yeah. almost lost the Iron Bowl. That's the problem. Georgia's really good too. And Georgia's really good. They're going for a three-peat. I think they do it. I do, too. I think they do it, for sure. But, I mean, you you would have to, like, give me a scenario to pre- predict the rankings. Like, Texas needs help. Texas is probably rooting for Florida State to lose. Yeah, they're rooting for Florida State to lose. And I still, if I were Florida... Texas, I would still root for Washington to beat Oregon. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Oregon could win and Texas take Washington's spot, but I think it's less likely. Yeah. So, because the committee clearly thinks highly of Washington and their roster. Oh, yeah. And they think way higher of it than Texas because they didn't even put Texas above Ohio State. (sighs) Yeah. So, which Ohio State should be eight. Really, they should be, but they're not. That's the college football playoff. A little couple predictions. Um, so your your final prediction is Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Oregon. Well, I don't know if that's my final prediction because I do think Louisville could beat Florida State the way that they played last well, week. Make a freaking prediction here. Who are going to be the top four that make the playoff? This is the last one before the final. But, uh, yeah, that's what my prediction will be, I guess. Yeah. Okay. It'd be good. And you? It'd be good. 
Um, I just don't know how Florida State gets in though if they're not three. So. Yeah, uh, just so I don't go the chalk, same prediction as you. I'll go Georgia, Michigan, Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Texas. Wow. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> Washington, Washington beats Oregon, and Florida State loses to Louisville. Texas wins the Big 12 over wow. Oklahoma State. They jump into number four. Let's go Longhorns. Be entertaining, but. I kind of like Oregon. I kind of like all these teams. I mean, I, I like college football. They're all they all have things about them to like. Yeah, hundred percent. So, all right, Frank, let's get into it. It is time for you to tell me how's NHL twenty four. You know, it's uh, an acquired taste for sure. I think it's one of the most different NHL video games I've ever played in terms of mechanics. Um, you've played your fair share of NHL video games, right, VP? Oh yeah. You know, like when you're taking the puck or you don't have the puck and you want to check the opposing team, you take your skater, you run right into them, right? You kind of hip check them or do whatever you got to do, get them off the puck. Well, I'm playing NHL. You know, I'm got my player. The opposing team's got the puck. I, uh, I take my player, go to check the other player. My guy bounces right off of him. I go, my controller broke or what's going on? Is something wrong? I'm like, okay, maybe it's just like I didn't hit him hard enough. I didn't have enough, you know, energy or force going into it. So the next time I get a winding, I got my player, guys coming at me, coming down the ice, take my defenseman, whatever, go at him full force, player bounces off of him. I'm like, all right, something's bugged here. I'm doing something wrong. I have to look up how to check. Checking's not as simple as just running into him anymore. You have to time your check with the skill stick like you're taking a slap shot. Which that's, it's a lot different now. Cause like you have another, it's, you're not thinking you have to do that. So when you do that, it kind of makes all your other controls and things you want to do out there on the ice a lot different. And it's just, I get it why they do it because it makes it more skillful. I guess you have to like time your check. And if you miss time your check, you're out of position could lead to an odd man rush the other way. It's a lot different though. It's, it's going to take a lot, a lot of time to get used to. Um, the game overall, I guess it's pretty fun. I haven't created a world of shell player yet, but I've been playing hut. Um, and from what I've seen so far, it's just going to take time to get used to the new gameplay mechanics for sure. For those who haven't played NHL in a while, they're going to hate it. They're not going to be a major fan of the game just because of the way the game feels. It just feels different when you play. But, um, I think that I just got to give it more time. I've only played it like two or three times. Ask me this question at the start of next year, and I'll probably have a different, you know, response for you. Not what I expect, but I mean, it was like what I was telling you before we started the show today. When iPhone switched from home button to no home button, everybody hated it. When iPhone switched to what is like when you go to Safari and your search bar is at the bottom of the screen and not at the top, everybody hated that everybody hated it but it's used to it now it's like it feels like i like it like that now i wouldn't go back to the other way so i guess that's just how it's going to be with nhl i just got to get used to it and then we go from there absolutely very excited to play it i will be getting it soon um frank it is also time for you to take center stage in america's favorite podcast segment of the week 
Breaking Bad. Where's my money, bitch? Frank, Breaking Bets. The floor is yours. Horrendous week this past week. Um, we went under 50. You said I wouldn't. You lied to everybody. You lied to me. Broke my heart, VP. You lied too. You gave shit picks. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Still up ahead if you've been following me since October 11th. We're up ahead. So that to me, that's the most important thing. But we had a bad week last week. Um, got four picks for everybody today. We're gonna start off with the NHL. Wednesday is always a weird day for the NHL. There's not usually a lot of games, not a good ones to pick through. But we got my. I found Montreal and Columbus. They play tonight. Uh, the last time I saw Columbus play was against the Hawks. They looked great against the terrible Blackhawks. They were home. Montreal struggled offensively this year and most recently got shut out to Los Angeles, which can't fault them there. Kings got a good, great team. Their two most their two um, most recent wins came against the Sharks and the Ducks. They're not beating great teams. Columbus isn't great either, but they're home and they've been playing better lately. Blue Jackets, like I said, they've been playing better. They've especially at home. They just had a big win at home against the Bruins. They've won three out of their last four games. Blue Jackets are hot right now. They also had a close loss to the Carolina Hurricanes um, in Carolina. So I'm going to back and ride the hot hand, especially at home, and take the Blue Jackets money line at more than a fair price at minus 135. And we'll bet to win two units there. I like that. Um, I'm fairly confident in the Blue Jackets. I like the way they've been playing at home. Saw it with my own two eyes against the Blackhawks. And Montreal's no better, so we're going to ride with the Blue Jackets here. Bet to win two units at minus 135. Also, I wasn't going to do anything for this, but I've been on a streak of taking Thursday night football games. I want to keep that streak going. The only thing I saw that I liked, really, is because uh, I didn't like the huge spread for the Cowboys, was over 46.5 for the game. Just we're going to bet to win one unit, minus 108. Uh, small wager on the Thursday night football game. The Cowboys putting up a ton of points lately this year. Their defense is okay. I'm hoping that the Cowboys don't lay an egg here and have their offense not show up in prime time. But the defense of the Seahawks isn't that great either. So Seahawks could put up their fair share of points as well. They could put up 17 points or roughly right around there. I do think this over will hit, and it shouldn't be too hard to hit. But given this is a primetime game, Anything can happen. We'll keep it light just for one unit, but I do like the over 46.5 in the Seahawks-Cowboys game. Now, I really like this pick a lot. It's my most um, confident pick, you could say, and that comes Sunday for NFL football. Denver Broncos are playing the Houston Texans. I love the Broncos at getting 3.5 here at minus 112. I'd bet to win three units. Um, I really love this spot for the Broncos. They got an impressive win this past week against the uh, Cleveland Browns, 29-12. to Russell Wilson and the Broncos carved up the best defense in the NFL, and now they're playing the Texans who have shown they have a weaker defense and they tend to play really close games. Listen, Texans playing great. They're hot right now, but giving three and a half is a lot, especially against the Houston Texans where four out of their last five games have been decided by three points or less. They score a lot of points. They give up a lot of points. They play close games. Comes down to the last drive of the game usually. So I'll gladly take the hottest team in the NFL right now, the Denver Broncos, getting three and a half points. I think it's it's very fair, and you really can't pass up on it, especially at minus 112. So we'll bet to win three units there. 
And my last pick, because I haven't done a ton of NBA this season, I wanted to give the NBA some love. We got the Phoenix Suns playing the Toronto Raptors tonight in Toronto. I like the Suns' money line at minus 120. Bet to win two units here. The Suns have the best road record in the NBA. They got a 7-2 record on the road. Toronto Raptors, you know, they've been up and down this season. And the only reason this line is so much almost a pick is because Kevin Durant, the Suns' leading scorer's, on this season is uh, a game time decision. So we don't know about him. I haven't checked within the past couple hours, so I don't know if things have changed, but um, with or without Durant, I think the Suns get it done here. This is a very good and deep Suns team. If Durant plays, it should be icing on the cake or a little extra gravy there to help it out. But regardless, I think in reality, they get it done. And also in reality, nothing is easy, but if Durant plays, it'll make it a little more easier. I like the Phoenix Suns money line. Minus 120 to bet bet to win two units there. Do you prefer icing on your cake over gravy? I'd try both. Same. Very good picks. Just another outstanding, you know, little segment there of breaking bets. I hope you don't stink as much this week, though. As I you, hope I don't stink as much this week. Less, uh, everybody's wallets are relying on it. People are trying to pay their mortgage, Frank, and you're out there blowing their money. Like, what are you doing? I don't know what to tell doing, you. Dude? Just bet the devils in the over in every game you play because they score a shit ton of goal. Um, Is that all I got to do? Just bet the devils, parlay the devils in overs. That's the secret. That's the secret. And Luke Hughes to have a point in every game. Same thing with Jack. Same thing with Jack. Um, Nico Heischer, whatever. If the Devils are ever losing by one, bet Nico Heischer as the next goal scorer. You'll make a lot of money. You'll make a lot of money. I know that team like the back. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I do, but that's obviously a crazy bet to make every single time. Uh, I heard heard primetime unders have like an incredible record this year. In NFL? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like it's like that every year. That's why I'm hesitant to take the over for the Seahawks-Cowboys because I feel like Cowboys offense is going to lay an egg here. But Yeah, you might have noticed my face when you said the over. I'm an over yeah. guy. Life's too short to bet the under, but I know the, the trends of the season. And, man. Primetime football is so much different. It is. It's weird. The NFL's got Bears an issue. Vikings. They got an issue. They need to start working on flexes. You're making these schedules years in or not years, months in advance. Don't say what games are Monday night football and don't say what games are Thursday night football. Pick the best ones. I'm sorry. Like it sucks for some fan bases, but you just say the teams are playing in what week and you determine which ones are Sunday or Monday in a week or two in advance. That should be the real way it goes, but you know, I'm dumb. Like <laughs> the fact that like Eagles um, um, what's it called? Eagles Chiefs was a primetime game is awesome. That's like, that's smart. But like a Super Bowl rematch isn't that hard to figure out. It should be a, a primetime game. But like this, this weekend, are the Eagles 49ers primetime? No, I don't think so. I don't think it is. And that that's like the best game maybe of the year. You know, like Jag- Jaguars. I said Jaguars. that weeks ago. I said that weeks ago, but you said because it's America's game of the week or whatever. Yeah, because they don't flex this close to the game. That's stupid. I'm not saying I disagree. It's stupid. I'm just saying that America's game of the week seven days prior isn't going to change. That's stupid. There's a chance that Buck and Aikman 
are already there. Bengals Jaguars would have been good on Monday if Joe Burrow was playing. Exactly. Exactly. Um, what about Jaguars Texans? I think that, Broncos Texans should have been like a primetime game. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. But but you wouldn't have thought that in April. Right. You would have thought, oh, the Texans, they just had the number two overall pick. They traded up for the number three overall pick. They had three wins last year. They suck. Right. Why would I want to watch them play the Jaguars on primetime? Why would I want to watch them play the Broncos on primetime? The Broncos and the Texans were two of the three worst teams in the whole league last year. Yeah. The only teams that were worse than them were the Bears. And the Bears just completed their fourth primetime game. Four. I know. They're it's three. Crazy. They're three and one. Maybe they just got to play in primetime all year. Well, I mean, shit. Rip America's interest in watching football, if that's the case. Yeah. Um, Frank, it was a great show, though. It seems like we had James Murray on 10 hours ago talking some college hockey. It um, wasn't 10 hours ago? It seems like it. <laughs> We're going to be talking a lot of college hockey this season, so make sure you stay in tune with what's going on there and everything that's going on in the NHL, of course, the NFL. Um, we'll probably – start talking a little MLB more again as the weeks come on here because the winter meetings are going to go on next week. Um, Cubs pursuing Otani. They're doing everything they can. And Crosstown Crosstalk is making its return to the Barroom Network tomorrow at 11 a.m., a special time, 11 a.m., the wow. return of Crosstown Crosstalk. Very excited about that. Going to be talking about all the things we missed and stuff like that. So, you know, there's plenty of rumors to discuss too and trade potentials. Um, it's going to be very, very exciting. I'm very much looking forward to that. So make sure you tuned in to the Barroom Network for that and all things revolving around the Chicago Bears. We'll be back next Wednesday. Frank, is there anything you want to say before we get on out of here? I want more people to start playing video games. Make it That's happen. It. That's it. I mean, listen, video games have grown tremendously over the past like decade, and more people are playing now more than ever, I would say. So my statement is, I mean, kind of like redundant because more people are playing now than ever before. And we are seeing like it grow tremendously, but just like James and you want to grow college hockey, let's grow the gaming world more, more and more. So let's grow it all. Entertainment has no limits. We can all, there's so much entertainment pizza out there. There's a slice for everyone of it all. I agree. I agree. Um, Skokes, thank you so much for joining. Um, have you looked at your top artists? Uh, do, you, do you listen to music very often? Well, I don't. I use G's Apple Music, so I don't oh. listen to it on my phone. But we God. listen to it like all the time in the car. So I, it doesn't do it for mine. Did you see my post on Facebook? Nope. Avenge Sevenfold was my most listened to artist in 2023 with over 1,800 minutes. Taylor Swift was second with over 1,600 minutes. Wow. Two opposite ends of the music spectrum, and that's what's fun about living. There's so much entertainment out there. It's None of it's similar to each other, You, but you're allowed to enjoy it all. If you like hard rock, that doesn't mean you can't like pop. Correct. If you like video games, that doesn't mean you can't like sports. If you like sports, you don't only have to choose one. The world is just full of awesome stuff. You should be checking it out and seeing what it is you like the most. That's my encouragement to people is open your mind. And that's the words I will leave you with. Thank you to the Barroom Network and everybody tuning in on the chat. As always, Frank and I say, have a good rest of your week. Have a good weekend. Watch plenty of hockey. And to steal a quote from a, one of my all-time favorite podcast hosts, be a friend. Tell a friend something nice. It could change their life. Goodbye. Thank you for listening.